This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's six o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, tunnel plans for HS2 to be revealed, budget shortfalls for Milton Keynes and Bedford hospitals and player charged over Stevenage biting allegations. BBC Three Counties Radio. New plans for a tunnel under the Chilterns for HS2 will be announced today by campaigners. Councils in Buckinghamshire are behind the proposals, which they hope will be considered by Parliament. More from our political reporter Paul Scoynes. If they're going to build HS2, we might as well make the best of it. That's the view of the councils in Buckinghamshire, who've made another attempt to show a tunnel under the Chilterns would be the best way to avoid the economic and environmental cost of the project. Plans will be revealed later today, but are expected to show a 17-mile tunnel going under the most sensitive areas of the Chilterns. But HS2 Limited says it's already considered a full tunnelling option and it's too costly. Campaigners say the extra £400 million on a £50 billion project is ultimately a small price to pay to avoid what they see as environmental damage to Buckinghamshire. There's a warning that a funding crisis at hospitals in the three counties poses a genuine risk to the quality of care. Both Milton Keynes and Bedford Hospital are expecting massive budget shortfalls. More from Carol Abercrombie. Figures show the annual deficit at Bedford Hospital has more than doubled to £20 million, while Milton Keynes will be nearly £25 million short. Trusts across Hertfordshire are also in the red, while only the Luton and Dunstable Hospital and Buckingham NHS Trusts have been able to come in on budget. NHS Providers, a lobbying group which represents NHS organisations, says a sustainable funding solution needs to be found. French air safety investigators say initial studies of the cockpit voice recordings from the German aircraft that crashed in the Alps suggest one of the pilots was locked out of the cabin. Two planes carrying relatives of the victims will leave Dusseldorf and Barcelona this morning and head to Marseille. They will then travel to an area near the crash site. The seven-year-old boy who died in a road crash near Milton Keynes last Friday afternoon has been named as Mohammed Ali Ahmed. He was a pupil at Hayden Abbey School in Aylesbury. Police are continuing to appeal for witnesses to the crash between a silver Toyota and a blue DAF lorry on the A4146 Stoke Hammond Bypass. The remains of King Richard III will be laid to rest at a special service at Leicester Cathedral later. The Archbishop of Canterbury will lead the prayers before the coffin is placed in a newly constructed tomb. More from Phil Mackey. Among those present will be the members of the team who found his original grave. It was rediscovered beneath a council car park, the site of a former monastic church less than 100 metres from the cathedral. The Countess of Wessex and the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester will represent the Queen as the last Plantagenet king, who was also the last English monarch to die in battle, is once again laid to rest. Distant relatives whose DNA was used to identify the remains will also be present. In sport, the FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Joss Labadee, who's been banned for biting before, was accused of biting Stevenage defender Ronnie Henry. The weather rain will move east this morning with some heavier bursts at times, but clearing this afternoon, the maximum temperature 11 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Sir, you're brave. You're brave coming in this morning, Zane. Come on, talk to me man to man. How do you feel about it? Well, it's um, it's been difficult, I have to say. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's only so much bad news you can take as a newsreader and um, Zane has just about pushed me over the edge. I feel like I want to go home after that. Thank you, Si. Uh, more from Si. That's uh, 6.30 this morning. From 
Street to Studio, standing in for Ian Lee this morning. It's Justin Neely. Thank you, darling. Okay, good morning. It is Thursday. The J Dog Justin Dealey standing in free and Lee. You may have heard him a couple of days ago. He's got a really rotten cold. But I've stuck to my word on this one. I said, boss, I'm going to go out. I'm going to buy you some vitamins. I'm going to make you better. Well, he's due back in tomorrow morning. So just one more day of this nonsense, and then Ian is back. So, what are we talking about today? HS2. We're talking bikes in House and Regis. I believe... I believe Bedfordshire Police are coming on this programme a bit later on. And we're also going to be talking about weddings. Can you really do a wedding on the cheap? Can you? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I've got control of your knobs. Right, it's going to cross live to the gallery again uh, at the start of the programme today. Young Kelly Betts is uh, causing havoc in there. Kelly, come on, what's your problem? Sorry, what's up? You know what you're doing. You're pressing a button mm-hmm. which has got a quote of me talking about knobs. Why are you doing this? I didn't do anything. I think really what it is, um, Justin, I'm, if I can speak for my colleague, yes, my honourable colleague, please do. is uh, ponership because uh, you said yesterday that you were the one in full control. Well, yes, I, I am technically, yeah. Well, yeah. no, technically, we could take you off air. Yeah. OK. Do you want me to? You've got power, I've got power. OK, it's a 50-50 split. Are we OK with that? All right, we'll just All remember right. that. Okay. Okay. 60-40, but, you know. OK, guys, again, a bit like Simon, I think you're brave coming in today. A lot of tears over this. Uh, Kelly, let's talk to you. Mm. Uh, you're into your music. Uh, Zane has left One Direction. How do you feel this morning? I think it's going to make a huge impact on the lives of everyone everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, is it front page on every paper? Most. Yeah, I was going to say it should be. Um, it's just, it's just insane, really, isn't it? Insane. 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 Catherine, how do you feel about it? <laughs> okay, this morning, this is what I want to do, and this phone has got a long title, but I think we can work with this one, okay? Hello. Boy bands that deserve respect in an often poorly respected market. <laughs> okay? That's your phone in. This is my phone in for the, the first end bit, hour. Call me now. Call me now. This is for the first hour. Do and the whole we... thing. Okay. Boy bands that deserve respect <laughs> in an often Poorly respected market. Call, Call me, me now. now. 08459 four double five five double five. You can text me as well. In the first hour of this programme, yeah. we can play some tunes. So text me as well. 81333 and start your message with 3CR. I mean, Il Devo should be banging there, shouldn't they? El Devo? Il Devo. Uh, uh, are they a boy band or a man band? Well, they're younger than Take That. You see, I had ABC lined up to kick off with, and I mm. thought, no, ABC aren't really a boy band, well, they they're were, a man band. I'm going to kick off this morning, I'm going to kick off with the Monkees. They are a boy band that still deserve respect, correct? Yeah, I like the Monkees. You, you don't seem to be convinced on this one. I just don't think we hear enough of the Monkees on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but they are one of the best boy bands of all time that, that people still love. Yeah. Jackson 5, another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wham! Okay. Mm, duo or band, but but still in the same sort of category. Yeah. How are the phones going on this one, Kels? Um, Red th- hot. Yeah, there's, there's Red hot. L- l- I can't stop answering Ooh, them. Okay. Let's answer another one. Hello, oh. three, three, Hello, no one. Three counties. <laughs> Is there anybody there? Behave yourself. Right. Okay. Boy bands that deserve respect in an often poorly respected market. Call me now. 
08459 455 555. I think this one has potential. So we're going to kick off with the monkeys. Yes, I know Ian loves them, but I love them too. Here's one to kick you off. And you've got to say, they're cracking. this morning but in all seriousness there are a lot of girls this morning a lot of young girls and we may be laughing at them but but they're waking up this morning really really upset uh, we'll talk about this later on uh, we'll talk about the the music acts that that you've actually cried over you could have cried over them because they split up for argument's sake uh, take that or when the Beatles came to an end or you could have shed a tear simply because you were in the audience you could have gone to watch somebody like David Cassidy and you were there and you just completely lost control and you started to cry so we can talk about that later also stringy the thong has come off in today's papers I'm going to be a dad again at the age of 74 now, as a bloke, I'm thinking, yeah, fair play, but, but 74, probably a little bit too old to be a father. I don't know. Again, we can talk about that a bit later. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Justin Dealey. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
OK, 11 minutes past six, another day, another set of reports on HS2. Uh, yesterday saw the publication of a critical House of Lords report on the economic case for HS2 that said that it hasn't been made. Well, today, two reports are coming out. One calling for a tunnel under the Chilterns. Uh, that's going to be unveiled by campaigners, including councils in Bucks. And another government report is due out on the whole project today as well. Confused? I certainly am. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, he can help. Uh, Paul, welcome to the programme. Um, what's in this tunnel report, first of all, then, Paul? Well, Justin, this report is actually released at four o'clock. I've seen some of the things behind it, but what he really says is that it's going to propose this big tunnel under the entire length of the Chilterns. It's around... 17 miles and that would then they say get rid of any of the costs involved in paying off householders in the environmental costs of course of of having a, a line which as the government stands at the moment goes partly underground but partly overground and partly through these sort of halfway houses of oh i thought we lost paula on that connection okay paul carry on what were you saying there sir yeah, so the, the idea is that you have, a, a, at the moment, the government's proposed some of the route to be tunnelled, but it's actually um, uh, not all underground. But the, the proposal from the uh, Chilton uh, Conservation Board, also Bucks County Council, Chilton District Council, which will be released at four today, is going to be uh, that you, you tunnel the whole length of the Chilterns. And they've got a new way of doing it, which they say is efficient and will actually, in the long term, save money. OK, so yesterday's report was critical of the scheme. Um, Briefly, what did it say, Paul? Well, it was. It was critical of the environmental kind of benefits of it. it said that uh, the 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 plans just hadn't been made in a convincing way. The House of Lords said that the uh, analysis relied on out-of-date, unconvincing evidence. It also said that the government's claims that it would relieve congestion just weren't made, and also, as well, that uh, it would benefit the north of England. Uh, that was disputed too, saying that the main benefit for HS2 would be in the south, especially into London. Now, uh, the government have said that there is, you know, a, a, a dispute on that. They said that, uh, the, 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 you know, that the peers have got the wrong end of the stick in that and that they reject this. But there is another of these, you know, uh, sense that, that, that this is uh, another report which is quite critical of the railway. Uh, and, and we're still really a few years away from it even starting. So much talk about this, as you say, a few years away from starting. A lot of people calling it a vanity project. But, Paul, it's going to happen, isn't it? People have got to deal with it, unfortunately. Well, yeah. I mean, the Labour Party have, have said that they've supported it, although Ed Balls has made um, you know, comments about the cost of it. Of course, at the moment, we think that the cost is somewhere in the region of £50 billion. It was somewhere in the region of £30 billion only a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, so where does it go next? Um, this isn't, I mean, the first uh, tunnel scheme that's been proposed either. This group also proposed one last year. Um, which is broadly similar. I can't go into the specifics of today's ones, but it's broadly similar to what happened last year. Um, HS2 saying they've already considered tunnelling as, as an option. Um, 
I mean, the sense is, I think, now from the councils that they accept that it probably will go ahead. Um, they've tried to overturn it in the House of Commons. The um, MPs, Cheshire hey, Management, have tried... Let's get real. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It, well, it, it, it's certainly a commitment made by this government. So if, if the Conservatives get in in May, then uh, that will continue. If Labour get in in May, it will probably continue. I mean, the, the the party that has said it will scrap it is UKIP, but, uh, you, you know, whether or not they form part of a government in May, it's unsure. I, I get the sense that the campaigners accept that this is probably likely going to going to progress. But even, you know, as I was speaking to HS2 yesterday, the oh. company, they said that the spade in the ground moment isn't probably going to happen until 2018 at the earliest. And that depends on whether or not this committee that's meeting today uh, sees all of the people who've complained. And there's a lot of those. OK, Scoynes, we'll talk to you a bit later on. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, they're talking about HS2. The time now is 16 minutes past six. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Having a look at the motorways and it's really, really wet out there. So surface spray and the road surface being slippy could be a problem this morning. And there's roadworks between Junction 10A on the M1 Luton Airport Spur Road and the Kidneywood Roundabout and the Junction 10 Main Carriageway. So that could also cause some delays. It's looking fine on the A1M though through the roadworks between the M25 at South Mims and Junction 2 for Wellham Green. And looking at the speed sensors in High Wycombe on the A40 Oxford Road. There's a lane enclosed in both directions at Oxford Street which could cause delays but it's not causing any problems at the moment and in Euston station there are some electrical problems so it means that trains can't enter or leave the station at the moment but with could cause some delays later on but that is hopefully going to be cleared up shortly Samantha Breath BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you Samantha more travel news for you just before 6.30 Okay, the headlines you're waking up to this morning across beds, hearts and bucks, as you heard there with our political reporter. New plans for a tunnel under the Chilterns for High Speed 2 will be announced today by campaigners. It's being reported, and this is a really interesting one, it's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. And the FA had charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. More football players who are allegedly biting. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning. Let me get on with your consumer problems. Should I expect this to last as a £350 TV or a £250 TV? Jonathan Vernon Smith. Have you gone back to the retailer? I went and spoke to the company that you'd paid the money to. The JBS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. So I emailed again and reminded them of the statutory rights which I've heard in your programme. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. They've backed down and they have put in writing to me that I no longer owe the money. And we could do the same for you. That's fantastic news. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Your team is fantastic because you look after the people. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Justin Dealey on BBC Three Counties Radio. OK, we're talking boy bands this morning. Math says here... He says, my view... I agree with this actually. If the majority of the members play instruments, that is a bona fide group. 
Whereas if they don't, well, then they're a boy band. Thank you, Matt, for your text this morning. 81333, start your message with 3CR. Not technically a boy band, but in the same sort of category, I would say. ABC, when Smokey sings. Sings. 
Audra remember having a row with a girl on a lad's holiday about that song. She didn't appreciate their talent. Silly girl. Uh, now, more on the off-road motorcyclist terrorising people in Houghton Regis and surrounding areas. That may sound strong, but that's what people have been telling us. We have been receiving lots and lots of calls from people saying the police are doing absolutely nothing about it, despite the police actually seeing it in some cases. Well, we were told yesterday that the Chief Inspector would not be available to talk about the issue on this programme at all, ever. Well, as a result of even more communication with the press office, it now seems that he's willing to talk to us later in the programme. Catherine Ball, producer, is this right? That's right, and we have to say that we don't know whether he ever got a message. Um, the press office had made a decision that um, he wouldn't be uh, the right person to speak to, and so that, that's what happened there. But it would seem that there's been a change of heart. We should have Chief Inspector Gavin Hughes-Rowlands on the phone just after 8.30 this morning, so we can put any observations and opinions we get between now and then to him when we speak. Um, really pleased to see there's been a change of heart because up until yesterday we were being told by the police press office that the police commissioner, Ollie Martins, would do the job on their behalf. He came in yesterday, as he always does, but it's not his job to be police spokesman and nor can he give us the ins and out of operational strategy, which is kind of what this started to mm. tip into, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, he was good enough to, to come in and, and listen to some, let's be honest about it, frank views. He got slated for about 20 minutes by various calls yesterday, but, but it's not just how to Regis. We are receiving lots of calls now from, from other people in Bedfordshire who feel the police aren't taking this issue seriously. Yeah, and uh, Ollie Martins was really keen to reassure the public that despite stretched resources for policing in Bedfordshire, two off-road police motorcyclists will be provided for Houghton Regis in the coming weeks, supported by two dedicated uniformed police officers, and he said that lawlessness would not be tolerated. I have got a message for um, people in Houghton Regis, and if you're a, a job on a motorbike, uh, ragging around, ragging around the estates, making lives of misery, and um, frankly endangering life and limb, and thinking that you can do it with impunity, you then take note because Bedfordshire Police is going to come and crush your bike. And if you're a resident of Houghton Regis and you can see this going on, then get on the phone, ring 101, tell the police what you're seeing, yeah, and, help, and help them track these people down. Ollie says, don't go ragging around. Uh, I mean, it was, it was all very well coming on yesterday saying that, but uh, listeners, they weren't impressed, were no, they? No, people like Matt, for example apparently localised to just how outrageous. So I know that um, my dad has um, complained many occasions to the police in Dunstable um, because he lives in the um, in the flats near Asda in Dunstable and, and the alleyway there gets bikes and mini motos and quad bikes going along it um, three or four times a day. Yeah. And um, police have said to my dad that unless they actually catch someone in the act of doing it or if he gets photographic evidence, they, they actually physically can't do anything about it. And I know he's driven him to the point of almost insanity. And Lee, listening to that, was very interested in this idea that go off and find us some evidence because he tried to offer the police evidence and said they weren't interested in looking at it. This is shocking. Quite totally. It's just, the bloke's just a walk for a start. I phoned up the police last week after witnessing motorcyclists in Dunstable on Grove Park and I had video evidence. I phoned up the police... And guess what they done? Nothing. Wasn't interested in the video evidence. Ollie, you're just talking numbers, mate. You're talking rubbish. You need to get off your backside and go and do something about it before we do something. And this is the thing. Mm. People, and we heard from a, a caller called Victoria who uh, lives in one of the outlying villages, not, not in Houghton Regis, but one of the outlying villages, and she told us that her husband gets on his bike 
and he goes out there and sorts the kids out himself. Now, mm. that is, you know, a whole other kind of uh, police incident waiting to happen. That's the danger. Um, so it's this feeling we'll be putting to Gavin Hughes-Rowlands in a couple of hours' time. We'll be asking him how it's been allowed to get this bad and, and whether people are being fobbed off with advice to gather evidence that will never be looked at. Um, are PCSO sitting in vans watching it happen and unable to act? Because that's been another thing that's been suggested, that, uh, you know, members of the public have indicated to coppers in vans that something needs to be done and the police officers have ignored them. Um, and also, if they are officers in these vans, if they are PCSOs or if they are real officers, why is nothing being done? Mm -hmm. So we'll mm -hmm. be asking Gavin Hughes-Rollins all that in a bit. Um, also taking your calls on this. So if you've seen this happen, let's just compile a, a bit of a dossier of, of, of things to put to the um, officer who can maybe do something about it. It's our fourth day talking about this, but you know what? I have to say that I've worked in local radio now for, for a long time, so have you, Catherine, and this is what I think is, is so great about local radio because so many people have come to us with an issue and they've got absolutely nowhere, and it's those magical letters BBC which is hopefully going to open the door this morning the police are coming on and hopefully we can try and make a difference because these people are telling us that their lives have become a misery and in fact the, the, the police press statement that we were giving out yesterday said don't go to the BBC come to us well the yeah, thing was exactly. they weren't coming directly to us they were trying the police first and getting nowhere hopefully we can sort this out between us Boy George said, it's a miracle. Beds police are coming on later on. That's definitely going to happen. I thought that was never going to happen, but it is. Boy George was right. Yeah, he was right. He Well, he wasn't right about lots of things, to be fair, <laughs> based on a recent documentary which I saw. But anyway, uh, so we are building up a kind of portfolio this morning of what's been happening in Bedfordshire. The police are coming on the programme. If it's an issue where you live, it doesn't have to be House and Regis. Come on and tell us so we can feed that back. It's a great opportunity this morning. The lines are open for you. And this is what I love about working in local radio. 08459 455 555. If there's an issue with these bikes where you live, do not sit there. Come on and tell us and we can feed that back. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's been an accident on the M1 southbound just after Junction 12 for Flitwick, so it's blocking a lane and causing queues to start building up. Also on the M1 towards London, it's looking slow round Junction 9 for Redbourne. On the M25 anti-clockwise, it's very busy now around Junction 21 for the M1 and 18 for Chorleywood. And the North Orbiter Road also starting to build up around the M25 Junction 21A roundabouts. Looking at the speed sensors in High Wickham and the A404 Marlow Hill has uh, looking fine where the roadworks are at Marlow Road. Just before that, there's some temporary traffic lights by the Leisure Centre, so that could get busy later on. And Euston Station has now reopened, so there aren't any delays looking at the departure boards. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. More travel news for you in 15 minutes' time. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, I'm Simon Oxley. New plans for a tunnel under the Chilterns for HS2 will be announced today by campaigners. Councils in Buckinghamshire are behind the proposals, which they hope will be considered by Parliament. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. And there's a warning that a funding crisis at hospitals in the three counties poses a genuine risk to the quality of care, with both Milton Keynes and Bedford hospitals expecting massive budget shortfalls. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Joss Labadee, who's been banned for biting before, was accused of biting the hand of Stevenage defender Ronnie Henry as the pair clashed in the closing minutes. The incident is still being investigated by Hertfordshire Police, but Labadee has until 6pm next Tuesday to respond to the FA charge. Milton Keynes-Dons duo Ben Reeves and Will Grigg played for Northern Ireland in last night's 1-0 defeat by Scotland in Glasgow. It was Reeves' full debut. Lee Hodson was a second-half sub. Watford's Akechi Anya played the full game for the Scots. Here's Roddy Forsyth. Yes, we had a winner and we had a loser, but both managers could take something from a friendly that marked Scotland's return to Hamden for the first time in 16 months. For Gordon Strachan, the positives were first-half pressure, the pace and directness of Anya, another win and the decisive goal from a corner kick by Matt Ritchie on his debut and converted by Berra, who came on as an interval sub. For Michael O'Neill, his players held the Scots at bay for all but five minutes and conceded only after Johnny Evans had gone off. And for both sides, it's what happens in the weekend Euro qualifiers that really matters. Meanwhile, Watford striker Odion Igalo made his debut for Nigeria in their 1-0 defeat by Uganda. Luton have extended the loan of West Ham striker Elliot Lee until the end of the season. Lee scored both goals in Tuesday night's defeat by Wickham. Ahead of this weekend's Malaysian Grand Prix, the route between the Milton Keynes Red Bull team and their engine supplier Renault has escalated. The Renault chief has accused Red Bull's technical boss Adrian Newey of lying after Newey blamed the car's problems on the engine. Red Bull finished a lap down on Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes in the opening race of this season. And at the Cricket World Cup, Australia are playing India in the second semi-final with the winners facing New Zealand in Sunday's final. A short while ago, Australia were 239 for four from 40 of their 50 overs. BBC Three Counties News and Sports, the next full bulletin is at seven. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Justin Dealey. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Yep, standing in for the boss, he's back with you tomorrow. So Catherine, a big phone in this morning. Boy bands that uh, deserve respect in an often poorly respected market. Call me now. Uh, call me now. Yep, um, I've got this one. Uh, the Jackson 5, who took inspiration from looking through a window and they thought, you know what, let's write a song about that. <laughs> Control of your knobs. Looking through the windows, the window to your heart. Oh, baby, yeah. I can see it's cloudy. The rain's about to start. 
A boy band that still deserve respect, correct? Correct. Five, what a fantastic song. What a voice as well. We could talk about Off the Wall all day, but there, incredible stuff. Let's go to uh, Don. Don, good morning to you, sir. Morning, how are you? Don, do you know what? I'm feeling good this morning. I've got the vibe. What about you? Uh, I'm just heading home. Oh. Oh. That's Nottingham. He had the vibe. He's left it in Nottingham. (laughs) (laughs) What do you do, Don? Uh, vehicle recovery. Oh, right. Busy night? Uh, it was, bear in mind, I wasn't meant to be working. Oh, oh yeah, one of those. OK, Don, so uh, you phoned up this morning because uh, we have been talking about uh, One Direction. Um, Catherine, before we talk about decent boy bands, you were talking about this hashtag last night. Oh, this horrible. is incredible. Horrible. There's a, there was a, a hashtag on Twitter last night, roundly condemned and rightly so, um, Cut for Zane. As if, you know, if your favourite boy band member leaves the boy band and, and you turn a flipping blade on yourself. Ridiculous behaviour. And there were loads of people, I think, including members of One Direction, saying this was not what you would have wanted. Um, and it's just it's just horrible, just horrible that that's one of the things that Twitter's being used for, you know. Disgusting. So, Don, this is the big one this morning, OK? It is... Yep. Boy bands <laughs> that deserve respect in an often poorly respected market. What have you got for us, Don? Caught out the Beach Boys. Oh, the oh, Beach Boys, gosh. yes. I, I've, got, I've got maybe another one for you. Go on. Yourself, JVS, Roberto Peroni and Ian Lee doing a tribute act, No Direction. <laughs> <laughs> and i tell you what, it would have No Direction as well. <laughs> Don, would you pay good money to watch that? Let's just say, and I know that JVS is listening right now, Roberto, he still wakes up at five o'clock in the morning every day. He's probably listening. Ian's in bed poorly, so he won't be listening, but I can pass on the feedback. Would you pay good money to watch that boy band No Direction for, for charity? Not, oh, for charity, maybe. Oh. Um, you know, Ian always loves these things. He always yeah, says, yeah. count me in, yeah. I'll definitely do it. You know, he'd do it for nothing. <laughs> OK, yeah, right. Don, listen, we'll play a Beach Boys song for you, hopefully, before seven. And before you go, um, talk to me about 
Peter Stringfellow, because he's in today's papers. He's going to be a dad again at the age of 74. The thong has come off. He's been making the babies again. 70... All I can say to that is, whatever were those girls thinking of? Well, take that out of the equation for a second. <laughs> it's a good point well made, but at 74 years old, my initial reaction is, oh, what a top bloke. I love Peter Stringfellow. I think he's got charisma. He, he's, he's somebody I look at and I think, what a great guy. And I looked at this first of all and I thought, fair play. He's got a 32-year-old wife. She's absolutely stunning. He's got another child on the way. But my second reaction is, 74 is too old, isn't it? Uh, probably. Well, when that kid turns 60, he's going to be 90. Mm. Uh, sorry, 16, he's going to be 90. I'm kind of thinking it's a bit unfair. I know that sounds really harsh, but I think well, it's yeah, a bit unfair what he's doing. He's not going to be able to go out and do things with that child when he's growing up in his teenage years, is he? Well, he's although he'll have more spare... Well, although he'll have more spare time, so arguably he'll be able to spend more time with his kids than uh, an average working parent would. He'll, he'll be if you're not to his colossal bag. <laughs> <laughs> Don, you cheeky thing. Thanks for the call, John. I feel a bit Bye. guilty about that, Take you know, because uh, that time me and Ian went into London and saw actual Stringy and his wife. They couldn't mm. get a table. We were yeah. sitting there pretty. I didn't realise she was up the door. Yeah. I would have given her my seat. Yeah, well, how do you feel as a person now? Do you feel Do you feel terrible? Terrible, yeah. yeah. Nice sandwich, though. Yeah, I mean, 74. But let's just say he makes it to 94. And Stringy, you know, if you look at him right now, he's 74. He's still doing things that a young 21 would. Like 21 the mullet. Yeah, the mullet. <laughs> He's still going about, he's still an active guy, but but if we're going to get real about this, if he dies at 94, he's got 20 years with his child. That's not right. That's not yeah, fair, but who can, is it? Who can promise any amount of time? You know, having a kid is the most optimistic and possibly selfish thing you can do because mm. you're doing it because you want a child, but you're also assuming you're going to be around to take care of it. At least you know he's got the financial wherewithal that if yep. he doesn't make it, you know, into the child's uh, adulthood, the kid will be looked after. See, this is where we spoke about Clarkson yesterday and Clarkson, and we tried to make it real and we tried to say, right, has something similar happened in your life? I don't think... In the real world, I don't think, and we hear about people like Des O'Connor, we hear about people like Peter Stringfellow, in the real world, we haven't got dads that, that are having babies in their 70s, have we? Do you know of anybody? Because I don't. No, but there's something about a 74-year-old millionaire that makes them super attractive yeah. to younger women, isn't there? Is that what the it difference? could be. Is that the... <laughs> Was that that famous Mrs Merton line <laughs> yeah. that she said? Who was that to? Was to um, Debbie, Debbie McGee. What made you fall for the millionaire, Paul, yeah, Paul Daniels? I wonder. But uh, again, in the real world, because he's got money, because he's got the cash, is that why this is happening? Do you know anybody, do you know anybody who's going to be a dad or has been a dad in their 70s. Give us a quick call on that one. 08459 455 555. OK, so that's in the papers. Um, some other bits and pieces. Not particularly great today, but some other bits and pieces. There's some bits and bobs. A cheers to retirement. This is what you uh, could be getting up to in your retirement if you're not Peter Stringfellow. Page three of the Daily Mail. After a lifetime of working hard, pensioners deserve to raise a toast to uh, retirement and these days they're doing just that. Enjoying a daily tipple at 6.30pm apparently. Mm -hmm. Some prefer to crack open a bottle a little earlier around four. But others can't even wait that long and say cheers with their first glass at lunchtime. This is very patronising, this yeah, report, it is a isn't bit. it? With such a relaxed start to the day, it's no wonder that a poll of retirees aged 60 and over found 94% were enjoying their post-work life, while half said they're having more fun than ever before. They've saved up. They were lucky, weren't they? 
They were. Um, they ended I, up buying their own houses. If you've yeah. not got a mortgage anymore, you can spend it all on whatever you want. Well, I, I feel sorry for the kids today. I, I sound really old by saying that, but I do, because a lot of people, let's just say you've got a family who live in Harpenden together. That family, it's important, as far as I'm concerned, for them to stay together, to, to be around, to be near each other. If you're a young kid, unless you've got a super-duper job and you're in your early 20s flying high, you're not going to be able to afford a property in Harpenden. Well, you're assuming everyone's going to be buying houses. I think that we're going to have to give up on that idea and everyone's going to end up renting like they have done on the continent for years and years because, you know, it's just not a possibility for so many people and maybe it's just time to give it, give it up. Or you have a mortgage that your kids end up paying. Yeah. I mean, that's something that they've yeah. been doing in Japan for years. Those crazy guys in Japan. <laughs> uh, I've got a song coming up here because Phil says boy bands and I'll tell you what, Phil, you are on fire this morning. He says, one of the best boy bands of all time has got to be the Four Tops, yeah? Uh, the they were always men though, weren't they? Well, they, they, were, they were still young. They may have looked a bit older, but they were still technically boys, I would say. I think you're only a, you're a boy until you're 30. Uh, the sheer <laughs> you emotion... keep telling yourself that. <laughs> uh, the sheer emotion and power in leaving my Stubbs voice is awesome. Thank you very much, Phil. I'm going to play this one, Standing in the Shadows of Love. Standing in the shadows of love I'm getting ready for the heartaches to come Can't you see me standing in the shadows of love I'm getting ready for the heartaches to come I want to run, but there's nowhere to go Cause heartaches will follow me So don't you leave me standing says we saw Spandau Bally at Birmingham last Thursday. They've still got it. Great show. Thank you, Phil. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, there are 20 minute delays approaching Junction 12 for Flitwick because of an accident which has blocked a lane. And also on the M1 towards London, it's beginning to look quite slow on the speed sensors towards Junction 9 for Redbourne. On the A5 at Caddington, it's, look- it's been closed in both directions at Lynch Hill because of a police incident and that's starting to cause queues from Dunstable. And in High Wycombe on the A404 Marlow Hill, there's temporary traffic lights just before Marlow Road. They could cause some delays later on this morning, but it's looking fine at the moment. Looking at the cameras though, it's looking really wet on the roads out there at the moment, so that could cause problems with visibility and surface spray. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Samantha. So the headlines you're waking up to this morning, new plans for a tunnel under the Chilterns for high speed two will be announced today by campaigners. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. And the FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Elizabeth Rossini has the forecast. Oh, it's horrible out there today. I know, I know. Isn't it nasty? Um, If you can possibly stay in bed for another couple of hours or so, I really would do so. (laughs) Elizabeth. It is is a rather wet start, isn't it? Um, But, but, you know, we've got some heavy bursts of rain just over the Three Counties at the moment. That's going to be pushing its way eastwards through the course of the morning and it will start to get drier across parts of western areas of Buckinghamshire first, I suppose. Um, over the next uh, couple of hours or so we start to see a little bit of clearance from that and by the time we get to lunchtime well it's a nice bright and dry picture actually um, all but sort of eastern areas perhaps of Hertfordshire which may just hang on to that cloud for some time into the afternoon but you know dry and bright this afternoon some good spells of sunshine so wet commute into work for many of us this morning but a dry journey home there'll be some sunshine around just a fairly brisk northwesterly wind this afternoon so despite the sunshine it's still going to feel quite chilly taking the edge off the temperatures but in theory you know high of 11 or 12 Celsius, 54 in Fahrenheit. Overnight tonight, a dry, uh, clear, quite cold as well. We'll see temperatures down to 1 or 2 degrees in many of the towns. We could see um, temperatures dip just low enough for a touch of frost in the rural spots, I suppose, overnight. The winds will fall much lighter into tomorrow. Tomorrow, altogether more pleasant. Some sunshine, brightness around through the morning, clouding over into the afternoon. The weekend, I'm afraid it's looking wet and windy, but it is going to be a little bit milder. That's the forecast. Elizabeth, do you fancy seeing me dressed up as Madonna? Well, yes. Where can I, oh, where yes. Can I see you dressed oh, up as Madonna? Go to the BBC Three Counties Radio Facebook page. The Facebook page? What about the Twitter site? Is uh, yes, it's on Twitter as well. Yes, it's it's been socialised. Well, I, I would do that. Elizabeth, you can't unsee this stuff, so I would approach it with caution. Really? Is it now? Is it Madonna? Madonna? Um, <laughs> Conical Madonna. Cape, is it Madonna? Oh, okay. It's Madonna. That's all you need to know. Brilliant. Well, there's, yeah, but there's so many different sort of um, looks that she's got that I'm just wondering which one. She's just wondering how many clothes you'll be wearing. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot, to be fair. <laughs> oh, mustache. <laughs> Have a look later on. Thank you, Elizabeth. Bye. A technical Madonna fan. On the way next, we talk to Kev. Monday Night Sport is a sports programme unlike any other. I love going somewhere where the sport takes place. Go to the judo club in Aylesbury where he almost got strangled to death. He's just about to get flung in the air and crashed to the floor. Yes, it is about sport, but it's also about us two having a bit of a giggle at the same time. Anywhere on the green, he's got one over on Lucy, the uh, US Open competitor. Oh, it's... (laughs) 
I think we can see that. We've had some great ones. I thought the wakeboarding was just tremendous. Yeah. That is so far out of our comfort zone. I don't quite know how I fell off, but I think it was something to do with the balance. And of course, you can see all the videos on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash BBC3CR. Three Counties Sport on BBC Three Counties Radio. Justin standing in for Ian. Ian's back tomorrow, hopefully, isn't hopefully, he? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. He's been a poorly boy. Okay, uh, Kev's in Northampton. Morning, Kev. Hey, morning, J-Dog. Or do we call you Madonna Man? Yes. That was, that was a good look, apart from the nails. What do you mean? You forgot, well, you, you didn't paint the nails, did you? Well, to be fair, I had the manicure. Well, what more do you want? Oh, I don't know. You didn't go all the way. Anyway, we're, we're, we're talking about boy bands. Yeah, yeah, OK, Kev, yeah. And um, following on from the theme yesterday with the old Macca conspiracy, mm. what about that boy band Kiss? Kiss, yes, yes, I'll take them as a decent boy band. But mind you, we got speaking about this earlier. Are they a boy band or a man band? Oh, I don't know. They're always behind the makeup, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Can rockers be boy band? I thought boy band was a pop thing. <sighs> it's how you dress it up, isn't it? Well, they did dress it up, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did with the makeup. They went, yeah. they went the whole hog. <laughs> I wonder how long they're in makeup for before a show. I mean. Gets me thinking, Kev. I mean, th this is the thing. Boy bands, and this is why I've come up with this title, boy bands off the back of Zane leaving One Direction, boy bands that deserve respect in an often poorly respected market because a lot of boy bands, they get slated. But there's some real talent out there, Kev. There is. I mean, you've got to remember as well, they all started off as boy bands. Yes, they did. Probably in the school band. And before you go, Stringy, he's going to be a dad again at the age of 74. Is that cruel? Is he too old? No, I, I think it's brilliant. I mean, if only my dad could walk around with uh, goalposts. I mean, he, he got them all the time, hasn't he? he? He's always set up for a game of football. You watch it. Little string fella, 20 years' time, he's going to be there. Thank you, Kev. Cheers. No problem. Cheers. Bye. 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 Very cool. <laughs> OK. Our BBC introducing track of the week. We can now go live to the gallery and talk to the incredible talent that is... Kelly Betts. Morning, Kelly. Morning. So, the BBC introducing track of the week, please. Why are you sitting like that? What are you doing that voice for? Well, I'm just trying to give you a, a big build-up. Oh, OK. Yeah. So, right. can you tell us about the track, please? I can. Can I just quickly say something else first? OK, uh, There's a singer called James Bay who uploaded his music to us in 2012, but we've known him since 2008, and he's now number one. His album went straight in at number one in the midweek chart. So we'll never hear from him again. How we'll amazing. never pick up the phone to you again. Let's We're so pleased him. for him. We're let's, so happy. Let's give him a spontaneous round of applause. Right. Not for the hats, but for the album. That's a great hat, great hat, great hair, great vibe. It is actually, to be fair, it is a great story. It's a fantastic story. It's basically how somebody can come from nothing and then be number one in the album charts with an amazing future ahead of them. Well done to him. So, our track of the week this week is... Yes, it's by a girl band called Delora. They're from Stevenage, and this is their track called Sober. Are they like the Spice Girls? They're better than the Spice Girls. Are they like Banana Rama? They're going to last longer than Banana Rama. You reckon? Yeah. Okay. This is Delora. It's been a little tough in my life. Seen too much of these eyes. Show me love. Show me love. Show me love. Show me love. I don't speak with the earth. Colliding to the universe. When I'm alone, you know I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Say 
BBC Introducing Track of the Week. Sober by Delora from Stevenage. Hear more music from Beds, Hearts and Bucks on BBC Introducing every Saturday night from 8 o'clock. Should we wish Mark a very happy morning? He's obviously um, up and at him and sending us lots of text messages in. And considering we're a Tim Pot local radio station <laughs> and he hates our guts, um, he's really spending an awful lot of money on the text. So yeah. um, maybe we can give him a ring and he can come on at our expense or yeah. maybe he can pack it in. Mark, do you want to come on this morning? If you do, the phone lines are open. Open 08459 455 555. Alternatively, listen to Radio 4 or something. That's clearly more your level. I mean, Mark, listen, in life, people support football teams. He's a Watford supporter and he's having a go at me because you support a scummy football team. You'll never beat the Orns. Yellow Army for life. It's highbrow stuff. Come on, Mark. How old are you, son? Come on, how old are you? And when was the last time Luton even played Watford? Don't even go there, <laughs> it's, it's a go. Mark, if you want to come on, uh, we'll have a chat if you like, but um, some of those text messages, come on, grow up. Two minutes to seven. Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, there's a lane blocked causing 20-minute delays approaching Junction 12 for Flitwick, and it's also looking really slow on the M1 towards London around Junction 9 for Redbourne. And if you're approaching Junction 9 for Redbourne on the A5, that's been closed in both directions at the turning for Lynch Hill. It's from uh, the closures from Lynch Hill towards Markgate, so if you're coming southbound out of Dunstable, like Tony called to say, it's looking really busy there. If you're, if you're heading to the M1 in that direction, you won't be able to get through because the road is closed through that stretch because of a police incident. On the A1M southbound, it's looking very slow at Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. Just because of my football team. Just because of my football team. OK, lots we're talking about today. High Speed 2 in Bucks. Uh, the story with bikes in Houghton Regis goes on. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they said they're going to appear. Bedfordshire Police on this very programme. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's seven o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, new HS2 tunnel plan to be revealed. Claims that plane crash pilot was locked out. An FA charge after Stevenage biting allegation. BBC Three Counties Radio. New plans for a tunnel under the Chilterns for HS2 will be announced today by campaigners. Councils in Buckinghamshire are behind the proposals, which they hope will be considered by Parliament. More from our political reporter, Paul Scoynes. If they're going to build HS2, we might as well make the best of it. That's the view of the councils in Buckinghamshire, who've made another attempt to show a tunnel under the Chilterns would be the best way to avoid the economic and environmental cost of the project. Plans will be revealed later today, but are expected to show a 17-mile tunnel going under the most sensitive areas of the Chilterns. But HS2 Limited says it's already considered a full tunnelling option and it's too costly. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. Relatives of the 150 victims are arriving at the scene as French news agency AFP and the New York Times reveal the investigation's early findings. James Reynolds is near the crash site. AFP says that at first the recording shows the two pilots speaking normally in German. Then one of the two men gets up and leaves the cockpit. The New York Times goes into further detail. It says that the pilot then knocks on the cockpit door to get back in, but gets no answer. He carries on knocking with increasing force and ends up trying to smash the door down. At some point after this, an alarm goes off indicating proximity to the ground, and then the plane crashes. There's a warning that a funding crisis at hospitals in the three counties poses a genuine risk to the quality of care. Both Milton Keynes and Bedford hospitals are expecting massive budget shortfalls. More from Carol Abercrombie. Figures show the annual deficit at Bedford Hospital has more than doubled to £20 million, while Milton Keynes will be nearly £25 million short. Trusts across Hertfordshire are also in the red, while only the Luton and Dunstable Hospital and Buckingham NHS Trusts have been able to come in on budget. NHS providers, a lobbying group which represents NHS organisations, says a sustainable funding solution needs to be found. The seven-year-old boy who died in a road crash near Milton Keynes last Friday afternoon has been named as Mohammed Al. Ali Ahmed. He was a pupil at Hayden Abbey School in Aylesbury. Police are continuing to appeal for witnesses to the crash between a silver Toyota and a blue DAF lorry on the A4146 Stoke Hammond bypass. MPs will today debate a last-minute proposal to change the rules on how the Speaker is chosen, which could lead to the Conservative MP for Buckingham, John Burko, being replaced. Critics say the plan for a secret ballot is a ploy to remove Mr Burko, who's not popular with some Tories. The remains of King Richard the third will be laid to rest at a special service at Leicester Cathedral later. The Archbishop of Canterbury will lead the prayers before the coffin is placed in the newly constructed tomb. In sport, the FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Joss Labadee, who's been banned for biting before, was accused of biting Stevenage defender Ronnie Henry. The weather, rain will move east this morning, but clear this afternoon. A maximum temperature 11 degrees Celsius. And you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Simon, you love your football, you love your cricket, um, you're a competitive guy. Have you ever bitten somebody on a playing field before? Uh, no, I think that um, particular tactic has passed me by. I think what I'd have to do is probably put some uh, salt sachets down my sock or something. Well, why would you want to bite into flesh without any salt? It's bizarre. Thank you, Simon. Incredible story, that one. Say allegedly, but he has done it before. More to come on that story here on BBC Three Counties Radio.
So it's Thursday, it's miserable out there. Justin standing in for Ian just for one more day. You heard him a couple of days ago. He was poorly, really, really poorly. Got rotten colds. Get well soon, boss. Hopefully back in the hot seat tomorrow morning. Lots we're talking about today. Tunnels, trail bikes, tricksters, and also boy bands. Uh, Zane from One Direction, he's left. And Catherine, you were saying earlier about this hashtag, and if you have just tuned in, this is absolutely incredible. Listen to what was trending last night on Twitter. Well, there was a there was a hashtag, and I really... I almost don't like mentioning it because it's just... No, let's mention it because I think, I think it's think ridiculous. It, it, it was encouraging little girls to um, self-harm, cut full Zane. Because that's that's Zane. what's going to be the answer to the question, isn't it? Wow. I mean, how bad is that? Well, also, if they really do love this person that they're never going to meet, um, why would they want to put that on his shoulders as well at a time when he's, you know, obviously having some difficulties? For heaven's sake. It's bizarre. Um, we've had a thing through as well, a text through saying that they, uh, the cut for Zane tag is awful, but so are all the people saying that he left to join ISIS. I mean, Twitter can be great, but yeah. it's also a breeding ground for idiots. I think we all know that, don't we? Yeah, I think we do. Uh, for your text this morning, 81333, start your message with 3CR. As we're talking about boy bands on the front page of some of the papers this morning, we are doing this one today. Boy bands that deserve respect in an often poorly respected market. The greatest boy bands of all time. The ones who are actually really, really good. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. OK, our top local story this morning. Another day, another set of reports on High Speed 2. Uh, yesterday, it saw the publication of a critical House of Lords report on the economic case for HS2 that said it hasn't been made. Well, today... Two reports are coming out. One, and this is the interesting one, calling for a tunnel under the Chilterns. That's going to be unveiled by campaigners, including councils in Bucks. And another government report is due out on the whole project as well. Confused? Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, he can help us. Scoynes, thanks for joining us. Um, this tunnel report, we've heard similar reports in the past. Um, what's so unique about this particular tunnel report which is out today. Well, you're right, Justin. There was one by this very same consortium of uh, Buckinghamshire councils and also the Chilterns Conservation Board just last year. Uh, and in that report last year, they talked about a, a tunnel going underneath the entire length of the Chilterns and it really saving some of the economic and environmental costs of the HS2 project. Now, this report is out today at four o'clock. I can't go into the very specifics, but I don't think it's un unfair for me to say that it's broadly similar. Um, there are a few tweaks which make it a little different and you'll hear more of those later in the program but the basic theory is the same put everything underground yep. from the m25 to past wendover uh, and you miss out a vast amount of the economic environmental costs of course because you've got to pay off all of those people that you have to buy the homes from yep. to uh, to kind of uh, to, to clear the space for the for the for the for the railway line and also of course the the un you know, the measurable costs of the environmental damage that would be done uh, according to campaigners. Now, the HS2 Limited say, well, we have already considered tunnelling uh, the whole distance. We found it economically unviable, and they said that uh, also that the current system, or the current plans, which do include certain amounts of tunnelling,
tunnelling, but uh, not entirely all of it underground. Some of it is in deep cutting, so they're covered cuttings. They're called green tunnels. They're not quite complete tunnels, yep. um, but they are. They uh, the company says anyway better than just having the trains on the surface. So there is a sort of a discussion now to be had once these plans have sort of been looked at by MPs, and the hope is that the committees will now start to look at them too uh, and decide whether or not actually they should force HS2 to adopt it. I've worked at this radio station for many years. I've been on various protests about High Speed 2. For those that are coming into this fresh, and it can be quite confusing, uh, what is High Speed 2? How much is it going to cost? In a nutshell, why do, why do the powers that be think that we need HS2? Well, the theory behind HS2, Justin, is simple. You you open up the north of England. That is what the government and High Speed 2 Limited have said. You you create a super fast railway line that knocks um, you know time off the current journey to the north. Um, and they've also said that the the current capacity of the railway line is is a breaking point. So you you need to have another railway line. It might as well be a high speed line. The cost. That's changed. We've heard originally it was somewhere in the region of 25 billion, then it went up to 30 billion, then recent estimates have put it upwards of 50 billion. There are some saying, well, that's not even going to get close to it because that hasn't accounted for tax rises and various other things. It'll be 70 billion. Some people saying it'll be even higher than that. The, the, The clear thing is that the government have said that the case is we need more capacity on the railway line and this is the line to do it. Of course, yesterday there was a report from the House of Lords saying that that economic case that I just talked about hasn't been made, that actually it'll be London that benefits more than anywhere else and that the capacity issue just hasn't been dealt with with any reliable evidence. So anything up to £70 billion, and just lastly... Well, I, I mean, I'm... Yeah, yeah obviously, I'm we're, we're guessing there, but, but anything <laughs> up to £70 billion, just lastly, Paul, and I said to you earlier on, this is going to go ahead. A lot of people calling it a vanity project, but, but in reality, we know it's going to go ahead. When do we think this could be in operation by? Well, you've got years of committees still to go through. Where are we? We're still only in 2015. The, the likelihood is that they wouldn't even start construction on the main bits of the railway until 2018. So we're still a few years away from anything happening in terms of a spade in the ground. But in the meantime, of course, you've got all of the committees, all of the government committees that are going to sort of assess this one today, of course. The select committee for HS2 is going to uh, make their first sort of uh, decisions or first recommendations about the project so we will wait and see what happens down there in Westminster I'll go down to Westminster later today nice suit yeah and have a look at this uh, have a look at this report so we'll, we'll we'll know a bit more later but yeah we're quite a way away from actually any diggers turning up in the Chilterns and starting to bore through the uh, through the area of outstanding natural beauty is it a slim fit or a skinny fit suit you'll be wearing later on <laughs> I don't think I could fit into either of those right. Whatever the suits, um, have a good afternoon. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Our political reporter, Paul Scoins, uh, listening to that is Simon Morris, who lives in uh, Potter Row, which is near Great Missenden, just 276 metres away from the planned route. Simon, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us live on the programme. So, if HS2 goes ahead, we, I think we all know it's going to go ahead. Um, what's your thoughts on, on this tunnel being built through the Chilterns? Well, it's the only uh, solution to uh, saving the Chilterns, frankly. I mean, uh, the Chilterns are going to be decimated by any surface route. Now, they made a big spin about the fact that they 
planned early on a tunnel from the M25 uh, to Amersham. Um, and part, one of the reasons for that is uh, that part of the Chilterns is the most expensive and the amount of compensation they'd have had to pay would have been enormous. So it made sense for them to have a tunnel there. Then as soon as it got clearer and more beautiful, uh, they um, put it on the surface and put it on viaducts which are up to 30 metres high uh, will uh, ruin the tranquility of the Chilterns and ruin the, uh, the beauty of it. Um, it's, they say uh, it costs too much to build a tunnel and that they're, they're pro- uh, providing other forms of mitigation. Well, quite frankly, you can't provide other forms of mitigation for trains that go uh, 200 miles an hour and make an incredible noise uh, on the surface. And uh, it's going to ruin it for uh, visitors. We have 50 million visitors a year to mm-hmm. the Chilton AMB. Uh, a lot of people, it's the nearest a- uh, area of outstanding national beauty, natural beauty to London. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's a great and beautiful resource, and they're planning to ruin it because they say it would cost 300 million more to build, to, to tunnel this section. Yeah, this Simon, section. we're, we're, we're uh, being sold. We're being sold. This is going to change the way we work here in the UK. This is going to be beneficial to people living in this country, working in this country. Can you see no benefit at uh, all to HS2? No benefit for me to... No, on no, the... but on the whole, to take you out of the equation, for the nation, do you think there is benefit in High Speed 2? Uh... No, I think it's the wrong decision because, yes, uh, it's important that the north becomes more of an economic centre and, uh, yes, the north, among, uh, the north itself is not well interconnected. The major cities in the north are not well interconnected. What they're doing by doing a point-to-point high-speed rail uh, means that a very few people who happen to live in the north of London near to Old Oak Common, not the centre of London, mm-hmm. who want to travel to, say, Birmingham, not the centre of Birmingham, uh, will be able to do it very quickly, and they, will, they themselves will benefit brilliantly. But it's less than 2% of the travelling public will be using this. They're, they're, they're putting a massive amount of money the spend is over 50 billion, as, you, as we heard from your report. Anything earlier. up to 70 billion, yeah. And, uh, 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 and it's absolutely crazy. And this idea, oh, well, Europe's got high-speed rail, France can make it, why can't we? Do you know, the cost per mile of high-speed rail in, uh, of HS2 is nine times the cost per mile of French t- uh, uh, high-speed high trains. It's a, it's a totally different context, and it's much, much more expensive, this particular route and line that they've decided on doing. It's crazy. The money should be used for uh, commuter travel improvements, not hmm. for long distance. Simon, I've got to leave it there. As somebody who lives at 276 metres away from the planned route, um, you're perfectly entitled to your opinion. Thanks for joining us live on the show, Simon. Thank you. There you go, Simon Morris. It's, it's a big local story, uh, and I've covered this before. Many, many protests, lots of people very angry. If you want to have your say about it, if you live in that local area, give us a call this morning. BBC Three Counties Radio at 7.15. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
There are 20 minute delays on the M1 southbound approaching Junction 12 for Flitwick because of a three car accident. The recovery surface are there now though. In Caddington on the A5 southbound from Mark Yates, well in both directions, that's been closed at Lynch Hill at the turning there as because of a police incident. Tony called to say it's looking really busy southbound on the approach and looking at the speed sensors, it's also looking really busy northbound from the M1 towards the closure at Lynch Hill. On the M25 anti-clockwise, there's reports of a breakdown at Junction 21A for St Albans uh, towards there and Junction 21 for the M1, which is causing delays. And in Watford on Exchange Road, it's looking very busy on the speed sensors at Beach and Grove. Looking at the train departure boards, so there are no major delays showing up at the moment. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. More travel news on the way for you just before 7.30. So the headlines you're waking up to this morning, as you heard a moment ago there. New plans for a tunnel under the Chilterns for High Speed 2 will be announced today by campaigners. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. And we mentioned this with Simon earlier on. Uh, the FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after, no, not punching somebody, but, but allegedly Fighting somebody in Saturday's game at Stevenage. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's true. Ban him and ban him for life. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. Tip-top etiquette expert William Hansen, who is not a fan of politicians oversharing. Oh, good afternoon, Roberto. I feel slightly nauseous. <laughs> Every weekday from three. Let's talk to Harriet Harman, the leader of the Labour Party. We've been in Bedford and Cambridge, and we've had very interesting discussions. Let's talk cold callers. Do you have a tried and tested method of getting rid of cold callers? You've got to make up a word before you go on the phone, and so you can fit that word in without them realising in the most time. Saying um actually helps you feel calmer. Did you believe this show? Definitely. And since I read that, I've been doing it and I'm well chilled. Roberto <laughs> Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Justin Dealey. BBC Three Counties Radio. Light shades, yes. Zane has left one direction. It's made the front pages of some of the newspapers today. Phil is in Luton. He's talking boy bands. Morning, Phil. Morning, Justin. <laughs> How are you today, Phil? I'm fine. Great stuff. So, uh, we've got this phone in and we've got the megaphone for this one. Uh, so here we go again. This is the phone in. Boy bands that deserve respect in an often poorly respected market. What have you got for us, Phil? How about the Funk Brothers? The batting group for the old Motown hits. Oh, round of applause for you, Phil. Phil, you know your music, don't you? Yeah, I used to be a DJ many years ago. I think, and I could be... I might be incorrect here, but I think, and I heard this at a pub quiz, didn't the Funk Brothers have more number ones than anybody else in the world? Yeah. It's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. That's a, that is a great fact. If you're down the pub, that's a great question for down the boozer. And if you want to watch a film, Standing in the Shadows of Motown. When did that come out? Early 2000s. It was a documentary done about them. Oh, wow. I'll have to uh, give that one a watch. OK, I'll put you down for the uh, the Funk Brothers. And whilst you're here, Phil, we have been talking about uh, Stringy this morning. Peter Stringfellow, he's 74 years old. He thinks he's 21. He's a proper lad. He's got a 32-year-old wife. 
She's now pregnant. He's becoming a dad again at the age of 74. Is he too old? Uh, well, he could always go to the uh, secondary school and parents with his Zimmer frame. <laughs> you said it, not me. Thank you, Phil. Take care. Cheers, bye. All the best there, Phil, in Luton. Here, Kath, I've got a great tweet which is coming here, talking about boy bands. And it's coming from Scott. He says, underrated, under-respected boy bands. I give you Joe Boxers. Oh, yeah. So cool. They invented their own beat. Yeah, the boxer beat. Joe Boxers. How did that go? The boxer beat. Mm, the boxer beat. It's a tune. I can't really do a tune, can I? I can sing, but it's, it's more of a tune. How did it go again? The boxer beat. The boxer beat. You're playing with me now. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Uh, you can tweet me at Justin Dealey. Yeah, boy bands. Uh, the boy bands who are actually good. One Direction, a lot of people think they're rubbish anyway, but decent boy bands. Uh, we'll come to uh, Liz's text very soon. who's come up with some crackers as well. You can text me this morning. 81333 and start your message with 3CR. This is Justin Dealey on BBC Three Counties Radio. 7.20. Big, big local story, this one. Uh, going back to the story of the off-road motorcyclists terrorising people in Houghton Regis and the surrounding areas. You might think, well, you're playing that up slightly. Well, no, we're not, because I've been in Houghton Regis twice this week and people there are really, really concerned. We're still getting loads of calls from people saying that the police are doing absolutely nothing about it. And this is despite, of course, incredibly, some police officers actually seeing this first-hand in some cases. We were told yesterday that the Chief Inspector would not be available to talk about the issue on this programme at all, ever. Well, as a result of even more communication with the press office, it now seems that he is willing to talk to us later in the programme, and we're hoping that's going to happen. Isn't that right, Catherine? Yeah, it is. About uh, later on in, the, in yesterday when we were talking to... I'm not speaking very good English, am I? It took us a while, but uh, yesterday they, uh, they suggested that they might relent and, and put a message through to uh, the Chief Inspector, Gavin hughes Rowlands and see if he could be uh, available for us here on this programme. It would appear that we will be speaking to him in about an hour's time, just over an hour's time. Um, so we'll put any observations and opinions we get in between now and then to him when we speak. And we have to say, it's not just Houghton Regis that this is affecting. We've had reports from Dunstable. We've had talk of people driving up and down the um, Luton to Dunstable busway. Sandy, Hitchin, mm, Farley mm. Hill, uh, some of the outlying villages as well. We've got people saying that they have given up um, talking to the police. And uh, one woman yesterday uh, suggested her husband got on his bike and and uh, he's been seeing the kids off himself, which, again, is, you know, is a risky thing to do and something that I'm sure the police would not want people taking the law into their hands. So we'll be speaking to Gavin hughes Rowlands on the phone just after 8.30. Uh, and if you want to get your call in, 08459 give us um, give us what's happened in your experience. Um, we're really pleased to see that there's been a change of heart because up until yesterday, as you said, we were being told by the police press office that um, the police commissioner, Ollie Martins, would do the job on their behalf. And he did come on, as he always does, hmm. Um, and he took some very frank phone calls from people, but he is not a police spokesman, and, no, and nor can he give us the ins and outs of operational strategy, which is what's necessary now. I mean, fair play to Ollie Martins, because he had the chance to to decline the offer to take some calls on the programme. He could have walked out of here at 7.30 yesterday. He didn't. He agreed to, to stay on and take those phone calls. Some of them were pretty frank yeah. and pretty to the point, weren't and they? And here's an edited version of some of the main points that came up in yesterday's half hour that we had with the PCC. First, you'll hear Ollie Martins and then one of our listeners who's called Mark. 
you're going to have two two police officers from the roads policing unit on off-road bikes are going to be put in uh, two police two further police officers supporting them but this is a resource that's had to be specially put into Houghton Regis mm -hmm. because the resources in the neighborhood policing team are not sufficient to deal with the situation and it's only PCSOs that we've got there and they don't have the powers uh, we've got Mark in Bedford who's on the line hi Mark Hello, mate. You all right? Yeah, what would you like to say, Mark? Uh, basically, uh, you've just gone on the radio, Ollie, and told everybody that PCOs have no power. So it, it, it's like having a deterrent and then telling everybody they can get away with everything because a PCO can't do anything about it. I mean, let's be brutally honest, Catherine. Residents not happy at all, are they? Not at all, and they were calling us in their droves yesterday. Uh, we spoke to Vicky. She told us she feels really intimidated. As I walk my dog around Houghton Regis in the farmer's fields, and I, I live... Um, I live in Houghton Regis, and it, it's just intimidating. They've driven at me, they've driven at my dog, drive onto the skate park, they drive through the park. Um, I ring the police, I give full descriptions. Um, I feel quite intimidated that I, when I ring the police, so I have to remove myself from, from the area because they do circles around you, um, they drive at you. Some, one time they followed me home, and I've told the police this, and, and nothing gets done. Also, Victoria in Caddington phoned the programme. She says the situation got so bad, her husband took matters into his own hands. It's not just Houghton Regis. We get it in Caddington in the summer and, and spring. And how um, bad does the situation get up there, Victoria? Uh, last year, they're uh, riding their motorbike through the churchyard where there's elderly people tending to people that have passed away. Um, they actually drove across the green when the kids were coming back from school and nearly knocked women over with toddlers. And it got that bad. My husband went after them on his own motorbike and pulled them off. Your husband pulled them off? Yep, he has a motorbike and he saw it happen across the green, then nearly hitting a child. So he rode after them into the next village and pulled them off and uh, asked them what they were doing and, and just heard a general have a go at them, but it, it, they don't change. It'll happen again in, in summer. And we go on and on and on. There were so many calls which came in yesterday about Houghton Regis in particular, local areas as well. So now, in around an hour's time, we believe we will be talking live to the Chief Inspector Gavin Hughes-Rowlands, who looks after policing in central Bedfordshire. Yeah, and he gave us the statement uh, in the last couple of days saying that about the two off-road police motorcyclists being provided to Houghton Regis specifically in the coming weeks in order to directly tackle those responsible, supported by two dedicated, uniformed police officers, a number of PCA SOs will also be on hand to assist with issues such as recovering seized vehicles. But we really want to talk to him about this feeling amongst a lot of our callers yesterday that you can call the police and they don't take it seriously. Yeah. Some were told to go off and find evidence, to take photographs. Others who had photographs and, and filmed footage um, were given the distinct impression, in fact, told that there's no point sending it in. Uh, one person that we spoke to in the last couple of days was told to ring Andrew Salou, the local MP. <laughs> and he had to say that he's not the full emergency service yeah. and we also had people telling us that um, things had happened you know people driving on pavements and stuff and, and cutting people up with push chairs etc um, in front of police officers in vans and when people indicated to them to do something about it the police made out that they hadn't seen
This is the great thing about local radio, OK? So you've come to us. This story started, really, on Monday. Uh, that's when it started. It's developed a lot over the last few days. We were sitting here yesterday, Catherine, saying, what a great shame. Why can't the police come on the programme? They told us they weren't going to be joining us yesterday, today, Friday, or ever. Now that situation has changed. Yeah. They're going to be live on the show after 8.30. And it's not just a House and Regis thing. If this is happening where you live in Bedfordshire, come on and tell us, because it's a great opportunity today with somebody from the police actually appearing on this programme. And we also want to hear from you if you've had a good response from the police, if you feel that they are tackling it appropriately in your area, because you know, I, I don't believe that the police uh, wouldn't want to do something about this. I wonder whether it's about resources, I wonder whether we're looking at police officers in vans and not realising that they're PCSOs so they haven't got the power to, to do anything about it. There may mm. be more at play and that's hopefully what will put Sir Gavin Hughes-Roland in a bit. Fingers crossed he's going to come on the programme. He certainly said that he will be. Uh, that's coming up after 8.30. So get your call in right now. Tell us what you've seen in Bedfordshire. And hopefully we can make a difference on the programme today. Uh, because certainly some of the stories that I've heard this week have been... Uh uh, it's difficult to be impartial, um, but absolutely shocking, really. Um, so, if this is a concern where you live, give us a call. 08459 455 555. One quick text here from Liz. Uh, we have been talking about boy bands. Uh, she says, boy bands, J-Dog, the small faces. Yeah, quite possibly, I would argue, the most underrated band of all time. You hardly ever hear their songs on the radio. It's ridiculous. Uh, Liz says, even when they were older, they still looked like boys. Good looking though. My first crush. Thank you Liz for your text this morning. 81333 and start your message with 3CR. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the A5 between Dunstable and the M1, that's been closed in both directions at Lynch Hill because of a police incident that's causing long delays. On the M1 southbound, there are 20-minute delays from Junction 13 for Bedford towards Junction 12 for Flitwick because of an accident which has blocked a lane. And also on the M1 towards London, it's really slow approaching Junction 9 for Redbourne. On the M25 anti-clockwise, there's reports of a lane being blocked by a van that's broken down between Junction 21A for St Albans and 21 for the M1, which is causing some delays. But looking at the train departure boards, there are no major problems at the moment. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. Simon's up next with the news. More travel news for you in 15 minutes' time. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 7.30. The headlines, new plans for a 17-mile tunnel under the Chilterns for HS2 will be announced today by campaigners. Councils in Buckinghamshire are behind the proposals, which they hope will be considered by Parliament. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. And there's a warning that a funding crisis at hospitals in the three counties poses a genuine risk to the quality of care. Both Milton Keynes and Bedford hospitals are expecting massive budget shortfalls. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Joss Labadie, who's been banned for biting before, was accused of biting the hand of Stevenage defender Ronnie Henry as the pair clashed in the closing minutes. The incident is still being investigated by Hertfordshire Police, but Labadie has until 6pm next Tuesday to respond to the FA charge. Milton Keynes Dons duo Ben Reeves and Will Grigg played for Northern Ireland in last night's 1-0 defeat by Scotland in Glasgow. It was Reeves' full debut. Lee Hodson was a second-half sub. Watford's Ikechi Anya played the full game for the Scots. Here's Roddy Forsyth. Yes, we had a winner and we had a loser, but both managers could take something from a friendly that marked Scotland's return to Hamden for the first time in 16 months. For Gordon Strachan, the positives were first-half pressure, the pace and directness of Anya, another win and the decisive goal from a corner kick by Matt Ritchie on his debut and converted by Berra, who came on as an interval sub. For Michael O'Neill, his players held the Scots at bay for all but five minutes and conceded only after Johnny Evans had gone off. And for both sides, it's what happens in the weekend Euro qualifiers that really matters. Meanwhile, Watford striker Odion Igalo made his debut for Nigeria in their 1-0 defeat by Uganda. Luton have extended the loan of West Ham striker Elliot Lee until the end of the season. Lee scored both goals in Tuesday night's defeat by Wickham. Ahead of this weekend's Malaysian Grand Prix, the row between the Milton Keynes Red Bull team and their engine supplier Renault has escalated. The Renault chief has accused Red Bull's technical boss Adrian Newey of lying after Newey blamed the car's problems on the engine. Red Bull finished a lap down on Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes in the opening race of this season. And at the Cricket World Cup, Australia are playing India in the second semi-final. The winners will face New Zealand in Sunday's final. Australia have scored 328 for seven from their 50 overs. BBC Three Counties News and Sport. The next full bulletin is at eight. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Justin Dealey. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, standing in for the boss. Uh, Ian, hopefully back with you first thing tomorrow. He has got a rotten cold so bad, I even went out to buy him some vitamins. Get well soon. Uh, Danny is in Houghton Regis. Hi, Danny. Morning, Justin. How you doing, mate? Very, very well indeed. Um, it's been a big issue all week on this programme, and I'm really enjoying the way it's developing, because yeah. Houghton Regis, a lot of people there very angry about the bikes, uh, causing chaos, according to the locals. Bedfordshire Police said to us, nope, we're not coming on the programme. Now, we believe they're coming on after 8.30. What would you like to say? Well, first of all, pleasure to talk to you, mate. Um, I hear you every morning. <laughs> and you, Danny? Uh, yeah, and uh, morning, Catherine. Morning, um, Danny. <laughs> well, basically, I, I just wanted to... I heard yesterday on the radio, um, uh, you know, a lady come on and she sort of stuck up to the police a little bit. And, you, you know, you seem quite pleased because it obviously puts face back into the police. That's right, yeah. Um, you know, and I totally agree with you, Justin. Like, I don't agree with what the kids are doing. The kids are kids. You know, I, li- I live in Houghton and I do hear the bikes. I mean... I haven't actually had any encounters with them driving around me or, you know, near my little boy or my, my, my partner, but yeah, it's, it's late at night, you know, so they make a noise. But last weekend, I actually saw um, a police van turn up on my street and actually arrest two of these kids. Wow. So they are doing what they can. I mean, like I said to Kelly on the phone, mm. they've got to maintain some sort of safety. I mean, anybody can go after these kids on bikes and then potentially get them knocked off. I mean, that's the only way they're going to actually get them off the bike, isn't it, really? Um, and the police do have a duty of care. So I understand that it's frustrating for people who live in the in the community because that's all we have is the community, you know, um, as a people who live in that area. Yeah, we've got to stick together. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, it's 
there's a there's a fine line between obviously arresting them and getting them arrested. Do you know what I mean? It's but at least you're seeing something, and and I love calls like this because it's very easy for us to sit here all week like we have done, and a lot of people have been phoning up slating the police. It's nice to get a different spin. You've seen something, and you've yeah. had the courage to phone up and say, "Look, I know a lot of people are slating the police, but look, I've seen this, so that they are doing something, which is great." Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, so, I mean, there's sometimes, I mean, the stories I've heard or with friends, um, you know, I've, I've disagreed with how the police have dealt with it. But at the end of the day, like, they have their, they have their policies, they have their ways of dealing with things, you know. So that's their business, you know. Like they do what they can. I mean, I just wanted to let you know and mm. the people who are listening that yeah, they, they're doing as, as much as they can. I believe, you know. Um, like I say, I saw two of them get get pinched the other day and. They, uh, whatever happens, I mean, they're probably under 18, so they probably won't get anything major, but, I mean, maybe mm. it might open their eyes on Yeah, who knows? Know. Who knows? But yeah. at least you've seen something. And before you go, Danny, come on, be honest with me right now. You can open up on the radio. We can help you. Zane from One Direction, he's gone. How are you feeling when you woke up this morning as a person? How do you feel about this, Danny? Oh, gutted. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know which one Zane is. I know who Harry is, because his face is all over the papers. Actually, I know the Irish one because he played football before but yeah like, I mean they've obviously entertained a lot of people around the world so I'm you know unlucky to the guys who follow them so yeah <laughs> who's your favourite boy band of all time come on you, you can say it my favourite boy band yeah you know, uh, um, I don't know I, I'm a little I like, I like a bit of Westlife but, you know they, they've <laughs> gone strong <laughs> You've just said that to thousands of people, Danny. Oh, Danny. Great to talk to you, Danny. Thanks for the call. Take care. Yeah, take care, mate. Cracking stuff. There you go, Danny and Houghton Regis. Have we got any other men? i tell you what, Kath, let's do this this morning as well. Let's do the Westlife Hall of Shame. If you're a geezer, OK, if you're a manly man and you love a bit of the, uh, the Westlife vibe, call us this morning. We can put you in the Westlife Hall of Shame. The Westlife confessional. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Call us now. 08459 455 555. You don't have to use your real name. No, we can give you a different name. Or we can just call you Anon on the phone line. <laughs> Let's go to Jamie, who's in Dunstable. Hi, Jamie. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Talking about, uh, again, a lot of people still phoning up about the, the bikes in Houghton Regis and Bedfordshire. What would you like to say? Yeah, I live in North Dunstable, just along the fields. And if you go out sort of any time after five o'clock or any day at the weekend, it's like a racetrack. You could just stand outside. I mean, I called the police before and just held my phone up and said, listen to this. And it's mad. And we, and I phoned to other people. All the police have to do is play, put a van or some police along French Avenue because that leads out from reach to the field. Hmm. And it'd be like fishing with dynamite for them. It'd be so easy just to collect them. They could. <laughs> I'm not a police car. They could literally just stop them. They catch handfuls of them. Well, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Because the, the way you're talking, it, it's you're talking with common sense. But but there's got to be something which prevents them from doing that. Which sounds so easy, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, it does. Because that's the link they use. They go shoot in Towson Regis and up, um, up through French Avenue, down the Sill Greenway, <clears throat> and they use the same route. So it seems really obvious that if you just put. A, run mark police cars. I mean, it's probably just a resource issue. Because when police had unlimited funds, they did put the helicopters up and they did stop. Um, but I just don't think they've got the money to do it anymore. I don't think we need a helicopter to stop a bike. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so track them and then they'd coordinate the police. Yeah, yeah. 
helicopters in the air and he coordinates the police from the ground to catch them. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what the simple thing is, Jamie. I'll tell you what the simple thing is. I've been saying it all week and we believe it's going to happen. We'll, we'll get clarification later on. Bedfordshire police have got bikes. Get the bikes out to Houghton Regis. Catch the kids, nick them, job done. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds good. It does sound good. I should work in the police, shouldn't I? Yeah, there you go, new commissioner. <laughs> Before you go, a lot of people have been saying, I'll oh, leave the kids alone, you know, we were all kids once, you know, we all did bad things. When you were younger, were you often in trouble uh, as a teenager? No, not really. Really? No, come on, come on, no, be honest. A bit boring, I'm afraid. Really? Yeah. I think there's a story there, you just won't reveal it. Thanks, Jamie. No, all the best, that's Jamie in Dunstable. Joe is in Dunstable. Hi, Joe. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Again, talking about this issue in Houghton Regis and Bedfordshire. What would you like to say, Joe? Um, I live in Dunstable by the new block of flats by the busway. I see the lads driving up and down there. I, I often want to go down and ask them for a go. Um, I did drive motorbikes myself. I'm 51 now. In the same area there is doing it. Um, yeah, it's not It's not nice. Um if you're out walking your dog, people do get a little bit... It sounds to me, Joe, it sounds to me like you've got a lot of sympathy for these kids. Have you well, honestly got not, sympathy for them? It, it's not, I, I mean, sympathy... Yeah, I mean, I've done it myself, so I'm probably not in a position to say, look, let's take their bikes off them and, and scrap What What makes me wonder is what they will do if we take their bikes off them and scrap them. So what do you yeah, think they're going to do? Well, I don't know whether it could be... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Controlled, whether they had somewhere they could take their bikes, where um, they could use them off-road, um, where we, they, everyone could keep an eye on them, the police, where we knew they were. I, I don't know. Where will we channel what they're doing now? Where will that be channeled afterwards? Do you think they'd be interested? Because half of this, surely, and, and you're a good person to talk to, Joe, because you've been there, done it, got the T-shirt. You I, used to do this even, yourself. Even, I, I was listening to the story there mm. where the um, gentleman chased them on his bike and pulled them off. Yeah. Well, I had a house up in Wilsdon Avenue, it was up Farley Hill. There was a problem, they used to drive up and down the track at the back. And the same thing, my, my wife rang up one time, said Kirsty nearly got knocked over by this bike, bardy bardy bar. And that knee-jerk reaction, I was actually in the pub at the time, come out, saw the bloke riding up the road and dragged him off the bike and punched him, you know. And to this day, I thought, Joe, how could you do that? You were doing the same 15 years ago. Gosh. Know? And do you, do you think... It was a knee-jerk reaction. It was, but in the heat of the moment, do you think, OK, as somebody who's experienced this... I know the lad now. He, he works for the company I work with. I want to get to this key point, Joe. Do, do you think, as somebody who's been on these bikes yourself, if the kids were given an area to go to, do you think they would be interested, or is it the thrill of being naughty? I think it's the thrill of being naughty, to be, mm. if I'm truthfully honest. Did you have no respect for local people when you were on your bike and you were probably revving up I, and causing I, havoc? I, it wasn't that I didn't have respect. Perhaps I, I was a lot younger and I didn't really see the, the problem that they had, that they couldn't listen to their TV because I was out by Foxdale School going up and down with a motorbike when I was exhausted on it. You know, it, 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 it's not like it just didn't enter. You know, I thought, yeah. well, I ain't doing no harm. Yeah, it's only when you got older you realise. Joe, I appreciate that. Thanks very much.
You're very welcome. All the best. That's uh, Joe in Dunstable. Keep the calls coming through this morning. Um, the amount of calls that have come in this week, uh, both to Ian on, on Monday and Tuesday. I'm here today standing in for the boss yesterday as well. The amount of calls that's come in this week about this issue has been absolutely staggering. And hopefully, after 8.30 this morning, we can actually make a difference. Uh, if you live in Bedfordshire, how is this affecting you? 08459 455555. Beds Police, hopefully. I mean, they've said they're coming on, but hopefully live on the show straight after the news and sport at 8.30. Should be good. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Justin Dealey. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's go to the Westlife Gallery. How many men have phoned in this morning to say, guys, I'm a big fan of Westlife. I love the boy band sound of those Westlife guys. Kelly, did you get any? Um, just having a look. Um, no. no Can I just check mine? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big book. No. OK. Uh, if you're a man and you're a Westlife fan, call us now. Uh, this is what we're doing this morning. Uh, <laughs> you're right, Kelly? Yeah, I just heard what he said. Yeah. We're talking about One Direction and the fact that uh, Zayn has left a lot of girls very, very upset. We're doing this this morning. I don't really like One Direction. So we're doing this. Boy bands, light and shade on the show, boy bands that deserve respect in an often poorly respected market. Bands such now. as... Call me now. Uh, such as the Monkees, such as the Small Faces, such as the Jackson 5. We are looking for the creme de la creme of boy bands. That is what we're looking for this morning. Millie Vanilli? Millie Vanilli? Ah! <laughs> Don't start me on them. They were fake. What? Please tell me you know that story. You don't know the story about Millie Vanilli. They came out, they had all these hit records, and it wasn't actually them. They were the face of Millie Vanilli, but it was ultimately different people behind the voices. They, they were the sexy guys at the, at the front, and they, they were fake. They were fake. Did you not know that? Have I broken your heart? You'd be telling me that... Um... No, I don't. They were fake. Uh, so, decent boy bands. And also, um, with a lot of girls crying, who have you cried over musically? Have you been to a concert? It could have been something like David Cassidy. It could have been something like Take That. Where you've gone to a concert and you've lost control and you've started crying. Tears over music this morning. Uh, we can do that. Um, what about when Take That split up? What about when the Beatles came to an end? Tears over music. You can email me as well, justin.dealy at bbc.co.uk. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 between Dunstable and the M1 is closed in both directions at between Lynch Hill and Luton Road. It's causing queues to Half Moon Lane and to Hollybush Lane as well. On the M1 southbound, it's looking really busy. There are 20 minute delays from Junction 13 for Bedford towards Junction 12 for Flissick. And it's also slow southbound between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 9 for Redbourne. On the A1M southbound, that's very heavy.
heavy between Junction 8 for Hitchin and 7 for Stevenage. And looking at the speed sensors in Watford on Exchange Road, that's looking very busy at Beach and Grove. Looking at the CCTV cameras too, it's looking really wet on the road surfaces, so visibility could be a problem with surface spray. And on the speed sensors, the A40 Oxford Road in High Wycombe is looking quite slow southbound through Oxford Street where there are some roadworks. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. More travel news on the way for you just before eight. So, the headlines you're waking up to this morning. A new plans for a tunnel under the Chilterns for High Speed 2 will be announced today by campaigners. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. And the FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after an alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, it's rotten out there this morning. Elizabeth Rosini has the forecast. Are things going to pick up? Please say oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, they are. Yes. Uh, the rain band's pushing its way eastwards, so it will continue for just a while longer, and then after the next couple of hours, it will start to um, start to dry out and brighten up, actually. So by the time we get to lunchtime, um, yeah, it should be nice and bright across just about everywhere, apart from perhaps eastern areas of Hertfordshire, and we'll get some spells of sunshine. The only thing is it'll be, be quite blustery. There'll be a fairly brisk northwesterly wind. It's a quite a chilly wind and it will take the edge off the temperatures somewhat. So not really feeling warm, but there will be some sunshine out there. Top temperatures up to 11, possibly 12 Celsius, 54 in Fahrenheit. So certainly cheering up into the afternoon. Overnight tonight, we'll lose the strength of the wind. It will be quite cold. We could see temperatures just dip low enough for a touch of rural frost actually across the three counties. So a really cold night to come. And then into tomorrow, uh, chilly but bright, sunny, through the morning for many of us and then gradually we'll see things cloud over as we head into the afternoon so temperatures up to 10 or 11 degrees fairly quiet day tomorrow and then over the weekend it's looking wet it's looking windy at times too and uh, temperatures are going to get a little bit milder so that's the good news and it's looking quite settled at the moment into next week of course Easter holidays you want to entertain the kids at home or not at home so to speak you want the weather to be nice and at the moment it's looking quite hopeful that's the forecast Elizabeth thank you very much Oh, here we go. Here's an admission on Twitter. Uh, This comes in from Dave. He says, I don't know if I should admit this on the programme today, but my boy boy band was the Osmonds. Uh, My first record was Puppy Love. Yeah, you probably shouldn't admit that, Dave, but um, I admire you for that tweet. Thank you very much. Decent boy bands and the boy bands that you loved... Every weekday morning. Coming up at nine on the big phone in this morning. Is it a good idea to make jobless teenagers work for their benefits? How would you like this country to stand up to President Putin? Are you surprised to see British people being blatantly racist? The JVS Show. I think we've got to get over this issue about racism doesn't exist. It, it has existed. It will probably carry on existing. What I wanted to say is they've got this completely the wrong way around. You know, that, that, that is also true. That is also true. You will always get some, but they are such... A minority. Oh, the man's a buffoon. Get him up, get him out of bed, give him a sense of purpose. The JVS Show. Do you think we have got to, as a country, start taking this issue more seriously? Every weekday morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Justin Dealey. On BBC Three Counties Radio. 
great story to come very soon about wedding receptions that involve a clown. Uh, now, a Watford man who used his dead grandmother's blue badge for four months has been prosecuted. 32-year-old Talat Rayo was stopped and questioned by Hearts Police and fraud investigators from the Borough Council last December. But while some authorities are cracking down on blue badge fraud, many are not, according to the campaign group Disabled Motoring UK. Helen Dolphin is their Director of Policy, joins me live right now. Helen, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. So why are some councils doing better than others here then, Helen? Because there's nothing which tells a council that they have to do any enforcement. And some of them look at their budgets, I think, and think, actually, it's not really worth it, I'm not going to bother. Whereas others, you know, they think, actually, we are going to enforce this, we're going to ensure that it's a scheme you know, used by disabled people. And so they go, you know, and they do some really good work. So it, it just seems to depend on what a council's priority is. But how can some people think it's not worth it? How can they think it's right to have somebody driving around um, using a blue badge when they shouldn't be using that blue badge? I well, don't get that, Helen. Some deny it that it's even a problem. Some have written to me when I've said, you know, why are you doing nothing, to say, oh, it's not a problem in our area. And I think, well, how on earth do you know unless you actually go out there and enforce it? Because you can't tell by looking in, you know, someone's car if that badge is being genuinely used or not. Mm. You actually need to, you know, make checks, which is what enforcement teams do. They phone up badge holders to check where they are. You know, that kind of thing. That's what has to be done, not just the odd cursory glance in a car. What's the worst that could happen? So let's just say I had a blue badge that I was using. I was using it for, for argument's sake, five years, and I've been caught out. What's the worst that could happen in that situation to that person if they're caught? You could get a fine of up to £1,000, but that fine could be for each occasion that you were caught using it. So it could, it could be more than 1000 if you see what I mean. A fine of up but, to a thousand pounds. But it's only a fine. I'd like to see, you know, kind of points on people's driving licences, maybe even, you know, driving bans, so people can actually feel you know, the inconvenience they may have caused a disabled person who was, you know, possibly not able to park at all and you know, hadn't had to go home. That's interesting. You're talking about uh, a ban on driving there because unless you actually go out and do something and you get tough with something like this, people will continue to take the mick, won't they? Absolutely, and if people know that nothing's being done, then again they'll, they'll just do it because they think, oh, I'll get away with it. And it's the same that happens when there's like in some towns when they take away any kind of parking enforcement, people park all over the place and yeah. it all becomes, you know, blocked for everybody because, you know, sadly people just don't seem to really care that they're depriving generally disabled people of being able to park. And I don't think people always realise, you know, how important these badges are when you actually, you know, you know use a wheelchair or you walk prosthetic limbs it's really really difficult and i just yeah, wish i was going to say so sell, sell it to us to a certain degree not that you have to but 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 you know there are going to be idiots listening to this right now who are driving around using these blue badges when when they shouldn't be using them and they probably think oh it's perfectly fine what's the problem you know i've got a badge it's not going to bother anybody i get something from it as well what's your message to those people why is it so wrong what they're doing 
I think that people think it's a victimless crime, and, and it's not. And we have so many of our members that have phoned up. People have missed, you know, hospital appointments because they've got there, and every single bay has been taken up, not necessarily by a holder. And you know, if you are disabled, you need to be able to open your door, usually to its widest point, to kind of clamber out of your car or to pull your wheelchair up. So it, it can make life, you know, really quite difficult. And I just, you know, disability does, isn't something that only happens to a small number of people. At the end of the day, one in four of us will probably end up with a disability so, or someone in our family. So maybe people could just you know, spare a thought for you know, some of us that have unfortunately become disabled and, and have to rely on these badges. At the end of the day, I would happily give anyone my badge if I didn't have to be disabled. <laughs> it's not a difficult choice. It's really not. And I was in Boreham, uh, yeah, was Boreham Wood recently talking about this as well. Well, we're a number of people there. That there's there's loads of disabled bays, and people are just parking in some of those bays without a care in the world. Uh, no badge at all, by the way. Um, just parking in the space, and out they out they get. They they pick up their cigarettes, their newspaper, go and get a coffee, whatever. Get back in the car, off they go. It's a major problem in that car park. Again, people just think they can do what they want. Um, it's all about car park management as well and it's making sure they have the right number of disabled bays because actually having too many can be you know a problem too you want to have exactly so you want them kind of not completely full but you don't want to have great expanses of empty bays because that's what makes people think ah it doesn't matter if they can see that they're being used and you've got people in the car park you know managing those bays making sure only bad shoulders park there then you know that's much better for everybody Helen, do you think, and just lastly, um, we, we know that, that people are doing this, hence the reason we're talking about it today. Do you think that, that somebody might phone my programme today? Well, not my programme, Ian's programme. Do you think somebody might phone the programme and come on and admit to doing this? Do you think somebody might do that? Because I'd love to hear from that person as to why they think it's right. Do you think somebody might phone and do that? I'm sure it's very likely. I mean, I've been out with fraud teams and we, you know, just in like one street, we found five cars that were misusing badges. So, you know, it's absolutely right. So there's so many people doing it. And, you know, until all councils start, you know, enforcing it, then it's just going to continue. So I wouldn't be surprised if you have a number of people that, that come on and, uh, you know, I hope that maybe at some point that they will, you know, change what they're doing and, and realise that it, it's not, you know, not, not hurting anybody because they are. They probably think they're doing absolutely nothing wrong. Helen, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank uh, you. That's Helen Dolphin there joining us live on the programme. Yeah, if you have been using a, a blue badge for a few years, and to be fair, you probably think, well, what's the problem? What's the issue? Um, like to hear from you, but also, as Helen was saying there, it's, it's, it's a major problem. It's not just about people using these badges fraudulently. It's about people that, that think they can park in disabled bays and get away with it. Uh, we know it's going on. Uh, we'll take your thoughts on the phones, the texts and the email between now and nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Justin Dealey. BBC Three Counties Radio. Back to the ladies. Yes, I've got my megaphone in the house today. So we're talking about boy bands. Uh, ladies, are you ready for this one on the big phone in today? Boy bands that deserve respect in an often not respected market. Uh, this comes in from Daz. Who do you reckon he's gone for? 1990s boy bands. E17. Yes. <laughs> Why not? I mean, although, I mean, calling them a band is one thing. I'm not sure... Oh, no, they're a only band. Only two of them did anything, didn't they? Well, Big Tone, he wrote all the songs. Yeah, so we, we and then call... Brian did the singing. Yep. And the others did the uh, roofing. No, they, they stood in the background wearing Parker jackets. 
very nice parka jackets, actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Got to keep warm when you're not moving very much. <laughs> I love the way Daz says it. I think E17 deserve more credit than they actually received. Yeah, I think so. Tony Morton was a dude. He is. He joined me on my Christmas programme and Stay Another Day. He told me the story behind that song. It wasn't actually meant to be a Christmas song. But when I think about Christmas... And yes, we're talking about Christmas in March. When I think about Christmas, I think about that song. That is an absolute classic, that song. I'm just writing an email back to someone who's a bit annoyed. About what? What, he's 17? Apparently, um, our portrayal of motorcyclists has been one-sided. He sent us an email through. He's from a motorcycling, um, um, a motorcycling club. Um, but I don't think he's listened to the programme. Because hmm. we're not saying it's motorcyclists, are we? We're no. saying it's a select number of young people who were riding their uh, off-road bikes yep, quad and bikes. quad bikes yep. on the pavement, on the road, with no helmets and no registration numbers, and on parkland. We're not saying it's everyone who rides a motorbike. I don't think that's ever come no, across, is it? I, I had a couple of messages yesterday on my Facebook page about this as well. And, you know, look, it's a story that we've covered all week. People are telling us what's happening where they live. I don't think there can be any arguments about the coverage this week at all. All right, well, Mario, if you're listening, I don't think you are because I don't think you've heard what we've actually said, um, but you're obviously annoyed. Come on, I'm just going to send him an email back and hopefully we'll hear from him before nine o'clock. Thank you. And Ted, he says, Bross, when will I be famous? That was a good boy band and a good song. Ted, you've hit the nail on the head. Thank you very much. Two minutes to wait now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 between Dunstable and the M1 is closed in both directions between Lynch Hill and Luton Road. It's causing long delays on both approaches because of a police incident. On the M1 southbound, there are 20-minute delays between Junction 13 for Milton Keynes South and 12 for Flitwick because of a three-car accident earlier. And also on the M1 southbound, it's looking really slow on the cameras between Junction 10 for Luton Airport and 9 for Redbourne. It's also looking really wet and rainy on the road surface, which could cause problems with visibility. On the M25 anti-clockwise, we're hearing that it's stop-start between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 10 for the Wisley Interchange. And in Chisel Green on the A405 North Orbital Road, that's looking very busy around Watford Road at the Shell Roundabout. On the trains, the 807 service from Luton to Bedford is delayed by 10 minutes. Samantha Brough, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. More travel news for you in 15 minutes' time. So lots we're talking about HS2. Bedfordshire Police are coming on the programme today to talk about those nuisance riders in Houghton Regis. And also, we're looking for the decent boy bands, the creme de la creme. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, I'm Simon Oxley. The headlines, new tunnel plans for HS2 to be revealed. Plane crash pilot locked out of the cockpit. An FA charge following Stevenage bike claims. BBC Three Counties Radio. New plans for a 17-mile tunnel under the Chilterns for HS2 will be announced today by campaigners. Councils in Buckinghamshire are behind the proposals, which they hope will be considered by Parliament. Simon Morris lives less than 300 metres away from the planned route and says a longer tunnel rather than viaducts, could be the answer. The amount of compensation they'd have had to pay would have been enormous. So it made sense for them to have a tunnel there. Then as soon as it got clearer and more beautiful, uh, they um, put it on the surface and put it on viaducts, which are up to 30 metres high, 
uh, will uh, ruin the tranquility of the Chilterns and ruin the, uh, the beauty of it. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. Relatives of the 150 victims are arriving at the scene as French news agency AFP and the New York Times reveal the investigation's early findings. James Reynolds, James Reynolds is near the crash site. AFP says that at first the recording shows the two pilots speaking normally in German. Then one of the two men gets up and leaves the cockpit. The New York Times goes into further detail. It says that the pilot then knocks on the cockpit door to get back in but gets no answer. He carries on knocking with increasing force and ends up trying to smash the door down. At some point after this, an alarm goes off indicating proximity to the ground and then the plane crashes. There's a warning that a funding crisis at hospitals in the three counties poses a genuine risk to the quality of care. Both Milton Keynes and Bedford hospitals are expecting massive budget shortfalls. More from Carol Abercrombie. Figures show the annual deficit at Bedford Hospital has more than doubled to £20 million, while Milton Keynes will be nearly £25 million short. Trusts across Hertfordshire are also in the red, while only the Luton and Dunstable Hospital and Buckingham NHS Trusts have been able to come in on budget. NHS Providers, a lobbying group which represents NHS organisations, says a sustainable funding solution needs to be found. MPs will today debate a last-minute proposal to change the rules on how the Speaker is chosen, which could lead to the Conservative MP for Buckingham, John Burko, being replaced. Critics say the plan for a secret ballot is a ploy to remove Mr Burko, who's not popular with some Tories. The remains of King Richard III are to be reburied in Leicester Cathedral this morning. Archaeologists who found his bones under a car park in the city will take part in the ceremony. In sport, the FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Joss Labadee, who's been banned for biting before, was accused of biting Stevenage defender Ronnie Henry. The weather, rain moving east this morning, clearing by this afternoon, a maximum temperature 11 degrees Celsius, and you can get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Simon. Oh, it's miserable out there this morning. BBC Three Counties Radio for Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Justin standing in for Ian. He's poorly still. But we are told exclusively that the boss will be back from 6am tomorrow morning. Get well soon, Giza. So, lots on the programme today. And, Catherine, after 8.30, we have a rather unique opportunity. If you heard yesterday's programme, we never thought this was going to happen, but something after 8.30... Is going to happen and we think it's going to be quite good. Yeah, Chief Inspector in charge of uh, Central Bedfordshire is going to talk to us about, you know, the police reaction to specifically problems with kids and young men um, riding uh, motocross bikes um, and quad bikes with no licences. Uh, no licences, we don't know that they've not got any licences, but we suspect they haven't, but no mm. registration numbers, no helmets. They're riding them on the road, they're riding them on the pavements, they're cutting people up in the parks. Um, and people are saying to us that they're ringing the police and getting no joy at 
at all, either being told that they need to compile the evidence themselves or if they have the evidence, the police aren't interested in looking at it. They haven't got the resources. Uh, one person was told to call Andrew Salou, <laughs> the MP. <laughs> so we'll be talking to that chief inspector. We're not going to be putting calls to him directly. I don't think yeah. that's the deal. He's going to be on the phone. Mm. So um, if you have a view at the moment, give us a call and we will um, put them to him when he comes on. So mm. you've got about 25 minutes. And it's not just Houghton Regis. Again, to make that point, Bedfordshire police are coming on the programme yeah. later. So that, that's the whole county. Where you live in beds, are you also experiencing major problems? Because, again, hopefully we, we can make a difference. We can try and get something sorted before close of play on this programme. And let's just highlight the fact that we're not talking about all bikers. So we've had an email through from April saying, careful, not everyone likes bikers, but not all bikers are bad. Uh, we have motocross bikes and a farmer lets us go on his land to practice. We wear all the right gear and we go, it's pre-arranged. We're not talking about we're people talking like that. We're not talking about that, no. We're talking about kids who are on quad bikes, who have got no helmets on at all. A bit like the story from Louise a couple of days ago, coming out of the supermarket there, suddenly a quad bike, guy with no helmet on, lands on the bonnet of her vehicle, gets back on the bike and drives off. I mean, that, that's the sort of thing we're talking about. We're talking about this as well. We've had this through from Alan. I live in Dunstable. We call it Mad Max territory. The bikers drive around the blows downs at high speed. There's the second time we've heard that, yeah. that place mentioned yeah. in two days. Uh, last week there was a near miss with a bus on the guided busway. The lunatic on the bike drove at the bus. It's really serious. They come up our street doing wheelies at top speed. Can you ask the police when they come on about Rule 57, which means they have to stop and warn, issue a warning. They can only take action the second time. But the real issue here is safety. When you have small children running and crying because of these bikes, you know it's time to take action. It's going to be interesting. After 8.30, that's happening. Uh, uh, we'd love to hear from you. 08459 455 555. We're talking HS2 as well this morning. Another massive local issue. And we're also talking about boy bands. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Some of these texts are great. Yeah, Kath, a couple of quick texts before we talk about High Speed 2. And um, we have been talking about Zane from One Direction. He's left. A lot of people very, very upset. We're talking about the greatest boy bands of all time. Well, Grant says, hi, Justin. New addition, who then morphed into Belle Biv DeVoe. Yeah. <laughs> New kids on the block, Brother Beyond. Oh. And, oh, the dreadful Blazing Squad, says oh, Grant. Brother Beyond. You know what? The other week, I was driving home from work. I went into the cupboard downstairs. I thought, you know what? I need a fix. I went into the cupboard. I pulled out a Brother Beyond. CD. It was called Get Even. I listened to it on the way home. By the time I got home, I was high as a kite. A legal high. Ben in Buckingham says he's not afraid to admit he likes a bit of the Backstreet Boys. E17, Blue and Boyzone, they've all made some decent tunes. <laughs> ben sounds like he's quite partial to boy bands. Um, and Mrs B in Aylesbury says the best boy bands has to be Bob Marley and the Whalers. Do they qualify? Uh, we'll take it anyway, we'll take it. And Hanson says Beverly in Northampton, she cried a lot. Yeah, music that you cried over. Not because it's dreadful, by the way, but... It uh, moved it, you. Yeah. <laughs> Told you about when I was really pregnant watching a Celine Dion concert on Sky. <laughs> I mean, the fact that I even chose to watch that suggests I was in a, an altered state. But, yeah, I was in tears. It was just so beautiful. You should be utterly... Utterly ashamed of yourself Hormones. as a human being. Yes, yes, too hormonal in that situation. If you're crying over Celine Dion's music, that's for sure. So yeah, great boy bands as well. You can text me eight one three double three and start your message with three CR.
Uh, now, another day and another set of reports on High Speed 2. Uh, yesterday saw the publication of a critical House of Lords report on the economic case for High Speed 2 uh, that said it hasn't been made. Well, today, another day, two reports are coming out now. Uh, one calling for a tunnel under the Chilterns. That's going to be unveiled by campaigners including councils in Bucks. And another government report is due out on the whole project as well. Ray Payne is a consultant with Chiltern District Council. He joins me now. Ray, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Lots to get through here. These reports keep on coming out. Um, I think that the interesting thing for me this morning, as somebody who's heard about this story for years now, is this tunnel going through the Chilterns. Tell us more about that. Indeed. Uh, the first point of correction is I'm actually on the board of the Children's Conservation Board. OK. Apologies for that. Not at all. Appointed by the Secretary of State. Um, the, the, um, this is something that the, um, the four statutory bodies that look after the Children's, that's Aylesbury Vale, Bucks County Council, Children District and the Conservation Board, um, have um, produced in the last uh, six months or so. And it, well, it is an authoritative document uh, which deals in principle with the notion of having long linear infrastructure projects through protected landscapes. And of course the Chilterns is in the way of HS2 as it comes out of London and heads towards Birmingham. Hmm. So what we have in the current proposal is a 24 kilometre long tunnel from the M25 to um, just past Wendover um, in comparison to the government's proposed scheme, which is 13 kilometres in a tunnel and 12 kilometres on two viaducts, two concrete box tunnels and a variety of embankments and cuttings. So in a nutshell, Ray, this would hopefully save the countryside, correct? It would, and it, it's a matter of principle. It applies not just to the children, but if you were doing something like this anywhere else in any other protected landscape in the, in, in the country, then the same principles that we've adopted, we hope, would apply. HS2, uh, we're being sold this dream. It's going to make such a fantastic difference to our country. You can get on a train, you can go up to the north of the country a lot quicker. Um, you're not buying that at all, are you? I don't think we are. I mean, we're not, we're not objecting to HS2. Um, the point that the, the four statutory bodies I've just mentioned are making is that if um, something like this goes through any protected landscape anywhere in the country, uh, then it is an expensive business mm -hmm. and it has to be done appropriately that recognises the protection legislation that's enforced. But come on though, Ray, something's got to give. If, if, you, if, if, you, if you want to make improvements somewhere, we can't just stand still. Something's got to give and unfortunately for those people in that part of the world, it's going to affect them. But, but isn't it, I don't want to sound harsh here, but isn't it just tough if we're trying to make a difference to, to the whole of the country? Oh, you're, you're absolutely right and it's not so much to do with the people who are involved. I mean, that's certainly important. Um, but the notion that the government has decided to have protected landscapes up and down the country, um, the, the point is that either they're protected or they're not. And that, remember also that that protected landscape is not just for the people who live there, which is probably neither here nor there. It's for people like you and I. Yeah. I mean, I don't live in the Chilterns AOMB, and I suspect you might not either. I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, it is important to us. Ray, we shall uh, watch this report with interest. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Ray Payne joining us live there. Richard Houghton is from HS2 Action.
Action Alliance. Richard, good morning to you. Good morning, Justin. Massive, massive local issue. So yeah. let's talk about high speed too. C- can you see? Well, can you see any any benefits at all from well, this? I, I think I think um, you know. I don't have to take my opinion. You can um, read the report that the House of Lords Economics Affairs Committee um, published yesterday, which you just mentioned, and they made it clear that there was no evidence um, for the need for HS2 in terms of passenger numbers, and there was no evidence that it was going to help the North, as you've suggested earlier. Um, so they said, and we've always said right along, is if you want to grow the economy, um, and you know, because the South East is booming. Then, if you want to grow it in the Midlands and the North, connect those cities together, don't connect them to London. Um, I just think there's one point worth mentioning about the Chilterns. Mm. It is 50 years since we created the area of outstanding natural beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can't. <laughs> you either protect it or you don't. You can't, you know, you can't protect it a little bit. Um, and I think people may be confused as to what type of train line's going through. This isn't going to be like the Chiltern line. This is about three and a half road widths wide, it's got a 12 foot security fence, it's got 12 concrete reservoirs to deal with the runoff on it, each one of those has a road, there's about two miles of road to every mile of track that's going to be built in the Chilterns. Um, it's going to be running from five o'clock in the morning till midnight and the noise levels, because they want to run it at the fastest train in the world, um, are similar to you know being near an aircraft. Um, so it's not as if this is going to blend in over time. Um, and I think once you've destroyed eight ancient woodlands in the Chilterns, you can't put them back in. They've been there 400 years and the associated wildlife habitat. So our view would be, yes, there's no economic case for it, but if you insist on building this because you're looking to buy votes in the north or, or the construction companies are lobbying you hard, then why would you damage an area of outstanding natural okay. beauty in okay. the process? L- l- let me put this to you, because we spoke to our political reporter earlier on who said, you know, reports coming out, it could be anything up to £70 billion this is going to cost. Now, yeah. you're saying to me, oh, there's no economic case. Every single person I've spoken to in that part of the world says it's a waste of money, it's going to make no difference whatsoever. Why would the powers that be put themselves up there, and this could be a big mistake, to waste up to £70 billion of taxpayers' money if this is not going to work. Why would they do that? Why would they make themselves a target? (laughs) Well, they're not really a target. I mean, you know, this is the... the, Yesterday's report, I think, was the seventh or eighth independent report saying it doesn't stack up. Uh, But they don't have to listen to those. They can ignore them. I think it's important to understand how we got here. Um, The Department for Transport ran a number of surveys around the need for for high-speed rail in the UK. Um, at the beginning of uh, you know a decade or so ago, and they all said there was no need. This is a political project. It was designed to provide an answer to the third runway Heathrow. It was pushed through by a non-elected Labour Lord at the end of the Gordon Brown government. Um, it was picked up by the Tories because they thought it would help with the third runway issue. Clearly, George Osborne, our Chancellor, feels it buys him credibility in the North, and he's lobbied very hard to make sure of that. It helps his leadership ambitions. Um, although I would say he knows it's environmentally damaging because he's organised a loop around the richest parts of his constituency, which is going to cost £600 million. So it's a political... They're doing yep. it to buy votes and to encourage construction. I mean, that's the reason behind okay. it, because that's the truth. Just lastly, we've got about 20 seconds yep. left. A um, lot of money being talked about here, and we have spoken about it for years. This is going to happen. When do you think this line will be operational by? When do you think? Gosh, I don't know. They're saying 2020. 
2020, but I think you're probably talking 2025 if it's built. But let's hope if they do insist on forcing it through, they put a tunnel under the Chilton so it's protected for everybody. Yep, again, we shall watch that report today with interest. It's, uh, it's uh, well, it's a development which a lot of people, I think, are going to be happy about because that, that's a, a massive difference if you look at the figures. Richard, thanks for your time. Thank you, Justin. Richard Housen there from the HS2 Action Alliance. If you live in that part of the world, um, yeah, we'll get your thoughts. But but there, there must be somebody listening this morning who's jumping up and down saying, yes, HS2, I can't wait for it. There's got to be somebody, because all I've ever heard is people saying it's a waste of money. 16 minutes past eight now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M1 southbound, there are still long delays between Junction 13 for Bedford and 12 for Flittick after an accident earlier. All the lanes are open, but it's really slow through there. And the M1 towards London's looking busy around Junction 9 for Redbourne. The A5 is still closed in both directions between Dunstable and the M1. It's the closures between Lynch Hill and Luton Road, and it's causing queues from Half Moon Lane and from Hollybush Lane. And Brickettwood on the north North Elbridge Road, there are queues around the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. And looking at the speed sensors in Hitchin on the A505, there are queues eastbound between Willow Lane and the A602 Parkway through the roadworks. The 840 train from Luton to Bedford has been cancelled. Samantha Breath, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. More travel news on the way for you just before 8.30. So, the headlines you're waking up to this morning, as you heard there a moment ago. New plans for a 17-mile tunnel under the Chilterns for High Speed 2. They'll be announced today by campaigners. It's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. And the FA, and this is an unbelievable story, the FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. Later today, I'm spending the afternoon at the Waterside Theatre in Aylesbury. It's all in aid of a new show that's being rolled out across the country aimed at helping injured military personnel. When you're injured, you become incredibly vulnerable, um, but you lose your voice. So this is all about giving a voice back. You'll also hear from one of the project's main ambassadors, Ray Winston. The big thing with these guys is, is self-esteem after an injury's occurred, whether it be physical or whether it be mental. Roberto Peroni. Live from the Waterside Theatre in Ellsbury. Today from three, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Justin Dealey on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yep, standing in for Ian. Ian, back with you first thing tomorrow morning. JBS is here from nine. Morning, Jay. I'm keeping a uh, safe distance from you today after your threats yesterday of physical well, no, violence. Listen, listen, the threat was there ten years ago. Get over <laughs> it, all right? right? Oh, I see. Listen, you, so you don't any longer want to punch me? No, look, as, as I said yesterday, a lot of people were talking about this, uh, what we call a two way in the business, saying how much they enjoyed the conversation between us yesterday. Mm. I was just being honest. Ten years ago, I wanted to give you're you a slap. N- you're nothing, you're nothing if not honest, <laughs> Justin. That's but now, true. But now, listen, back then, I, I didn't respect your talents. Okay? <laughs> 
<laughs> Kids worse. I didn't respect your taste in music. Uh, oh. Um, I'd, do you know what? I just didn't respect you full stop. You mate. just didn't like me very much. Well, but, the but, feeling was absolutely mutual. Exactly. But now we go out for lunches it, together. You yes. are quite good. Listen, listen. I've grown to, to like you, and I like right. you a hell of a lot. I now think you are quite possibly in the top twenty most talented broadcasters <laughs> in the country. <laughs> 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 well, thanks very much. There's a uh, no, no, dabbing no, with fake praise. I've, I've grown to like you. If they, if, they, if they said to me ten years ago, I'm going to put you in a room with JVS, we're going to lock you in there for an hour, it would have kicked off, mate. Yeah, but but now, right. but now... But now you don't want to bunch me. Now we'd sit down, we'll talk okay. about the country, we'll talk about dogs. You know, we, we've moved on. We've right. moved on. <laughs> OK. Now, the big phone-in from nine today, I presume it's about One Direction and the loss of Zane. Well, it was a toss-up between that and uh, the other story that's all over the front pages of the papers. It's Jeremy Clarkson. And again, mm. the story has moved on. I don't know if you've seen it. Front page of the mirror, right in front of you here. Axed Clarkson faces cop grilling. Um, he's been sacked by the BBC and now Yorkshire police may take action against Jeremy Clarkson for punching his producer. Mm. The investigation into this now infamous fracas has revealed the Top Gear presenter spent 20 minutes using the most offensive swear words to abuse his producer before delivering a 30-second attack which left his producer in need of hospital treatment. Yorkshire Police have told the BBC that they will assess the information in this report before responding appropriately. Well, from nine this morning, I'd like your your view on this. Do you think Clarkson should be prosecuted for punching his producer? Should Clarkson go to prison, essentially, for, for what he's well, done? Well, not necessarily, but should he be punished by the by the law? He's been punished by the BBC, he's lost his job, but yeah. is it now time for the law to punish him as well? And if that involves, I don't know, community service, a fine, maybe even prison, is that what's necessary? Again, to go back to that incident ten years ago, if I had have punched you, come on, can you imagine the police coming in saying, right, OK, what happens here then between you two? You've fallen out, you, you've punched him... I think it's going too far now. He's lost his job. Is that enough now? I think that is. I think that is. I mean, he's on the front page of the paper. He's been embarrassed. You know, he, he may be worth millions of pounds. He may be getting a job elsewhere, but he has been embarrassed for what's happened. But anyone else... That's if, enough. If, if, you, if you punch someone, and what's quite interesting, I don't know if you read the report, the BBC released the full details of the report yesterday because of obviously so much speculation. One of the very interesting parts about it was he physically assaulted the producer for 30 seconds yep. and it only stopped when someone else in the hotel intervened yep. and broke it up. Um, the other issue was that the producer did not retaliate in any way. So Clarkson was essentially pulled away. Yes. That's what we think. OK. Yeah. Let me so, give you an example of, of what happened to, to a friend of mine about about a year ago. He was in a pub and he, he got a punch for, for no reason at all. People go out, that they get drunk, they think they can do what they want. There's some morons out there. He got punched. There was a whole room of witnesses. There was CCTV as well. But still, nobody could be arrested for that. So how is Clarkson going to be grilled over this? I can't see how it's going to work. I really can't. He may have a conversation with the police, but that's as far as it will go, I think. Well, from nine this morning, I'd like your reaction to this. Do you think Clarkson should be prosecuted for punching his producer? Your call on 08459 455 555. Stay there for a second. Graham, can you hang on for a second? Is that OK, boss? No worries. Lovely. Chris, can you hang on? Yep. Lovely. Thank you very much. Um, have you seen my new video on the Facebook page? No, I've heard you talking about your new video. Yes. This Saturday between 12 and 2 on my show, two hours of musical sensations. Uh, it's Ladies' Day, so it's two hours... 
<laughs> it's two hours of the greatest female pop stars of all time. I was in Stevenage yesterday, dressed up, Madonna. dressed up as I've Madonna. This, yes, um, talking to people about their favourite female pop stars. Uh, that video is on our Facebook page. And can I say a, a big hello to all the people who came down yesterday, thinking I wasn't going to do that. Uh, I, I did that. They came down with the cameras, my shoes. I had ladies' shoes, size ten. I gather they made your legs look amazing. I've heard this from some of the girls in the office. They said Justin's legs looked amazing in heels. Didn't have to. Just happened, actually. <laughs> my shoes had J-Dog written on them. You can see that video on our Facebook page. Go and have a look. Right. Great makeup. And if you need this at nine o'clock, I thought your show at nine o'clock needed a bit of a lift, you know, but right. hand over. OK. So well, you can have this. Hi, this is JBS <laughs> on the phone in today. We're talking Clarkson. Should he be grilled by the cops? Yes or no? Call me now. If you need that megaphone, it's <laughs> Thanks there for, for Oh, I'll, I may borrow that. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Jonathan. Have a great show. Thank you, Justin. Take care. Still would have sorted him out ten years ago. Uh, right, Graham. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Joe. Sorry to keep you waiting. We're talking bikes. Uh, Bedfordshire Police live on the show after 8.30, we believe, so they tell us. What would you like to say, Graham? Um, I just think that the parents have got to take some responsibility for this. Because um, they obviously know that their kids are doing it, tearing up the parks, doing what they're doing. Yeah. And it, you know, if you if you don't send your children to school, you get you get punished. You can go to prison. All I want when these kids do get caught, I want something done to the parents as well because they're just turning a blind eye to it. I don't know. You see, from the stories that I hear, and here's a story about what I've heard: somebody has turned up in a van, which has got two or three bikes in the back of that van. They're given to the kids, then they go off on the bikes. Well, how would a parent know? How would a parent know what their child is up to 24/7? They're not going to know, are they? they I think they are, Justin. To be honest, because you know they know that they're going out with no helmets, no license plate. They know that's happening. What they're doing, they're just not taking any responsibility. They've got a, they've got a responsibility to society mm. to, to sort these kids out and not let them terrorise everyone. Okay, Graham, thank you very much indeed for the call. He wants the parents punished as well. Interesting point, Chris. Sorry to keep you waiting. What would you like to say? Um, these people are on motocross bikes. You need to get them on a trials bike. You need to Google motorcycle trials. Now I've tried with the local council for four years to find ground. Hmm. It took a year to get over to the council what I, what I wanted. Found a piece of ground, then the, then the locals kicked off, and that got stopped. Chris, I'm going to stop you there. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because as, as valid as your point may be, and again, I, I appreciate you phoning in this morning, I don't think it's going to make any difference. I'll tell you why. Because these kids... I'm taking myself back to when I was younger. I did some bad things when I was younger. I, I was certainly no angel, and I'll be open and honest about that. But these kids, they're getting off on the thrill of doing something wrong. So if you gave them an area, they wouldn't use it, would they? Come on. No, you would get them into organised events. Come on, And you'll Chris. be surprised Come on. what the difference it makes. Now, I know of a motorcycle youth who is involved in drugs. Yeah. His dad said to him, if you carry on like that, you're not riding your motorcycle in motorcycle trials. He gave up drugs to ride in motorcycle trials. That is the attraction. That's a great story. That's a nice story. But, but if, if we're living in the real world, Chris, I think you know deep down, if kids were given an area, there you go, there's a lovely area for you guys, go and play in that area, I think you know deep down they wouldn't be interested. 
you've got to Google motorcycle trials and see what it's about. Okay. The local police wanted to get these people off local woods. Hmm. I got involved with local police, very enthusiastic, just started going forward, then the, then the uh, person would be promoted, another one would come in. Okay, Chris, Start I've got to leave it there. Again. I've got to leave it there. Thank you, Chris. Uh, let's go to Mario, just before the travel. Hi, Mario. Hi there, Ian. How are you? Uh, it's Justin, standing in for Ian. Ian's Hi, back Justin. tomorrow. I've got about 60 seconds before the travel. Loads of calls are still coming in about this. What would you, uh, what would you like to say, Mario? Well, it's very briefly. I'm uh, uh, the chairman of Hearts TRF, and I just wanted to point out that there is a legal side to motorcycling and off-road biking that uh, doesn't really come into some of the um, the overall storyline. So, to, to give you an example, Louise, who I spoke to the other day, coming out of the Morrison's Car Park in Houghton Regis, uh, on the roundabout there, uh, one of these bikes um, went into her vehicle, nobody had a helmet on, landed up on the windscreen of her vehicle, thankfully got back off onto the bike and then sped off. That can't be legal, can it? Uh, totally, and we totally agree with you. But you have pointed out some other things that aren't completely correct. So what's For legal, instance, then? you've mentioned... Uh, quad riders without a helmet. Mm. And I've got this uh, from the Catherine road. here. On the road, by the way, yes, on the road. I don't believe, and I'm no expert in this area, but it is necessary to ride to have a helmet. Catherine, you want to come back on this? Mario's the guy who sent the um, email through. Thanks for that, Mario. No, I mentioned that they're riding on the pavements and on the road with no helmets and well, no registration plates. OK, I just wanted to be clear before you start going round or the public start accosting quad bikers... We are not doing that, Mario. ...legally on. on the road without a helmet. We're not talking about all bikers. We're talking about people who behave in okay. a way that you wouldn't as, as a member of a, of a club. And I'm here to put some balance in this. Well, thank there you, There are three Mario. local businesses in here, one national, that generate a lot of money for the economy and jobs. But we're not talking about that. We're, talk we're talking about people on the roads, on these bikes with no helmets, crashing into cars. You, you, can't, you can't make any excuses for some of the stories we've heard, Mario. You just can't, surely. We're not clumping those people together with the sort of people who join your clubs. No, we're not saying that. We're, we're, we're saying... Well, we're not even saying it. We're, we're getting reports from local people about what's happening. Surely you can't come on here and make any sort of excuse for those stories, surely? I'm here to offer solutions, not disagree with you over this. And there are solutions, like Chris has said, about increasing provisions locally and giving people somewhere to ride legitimately. It's not going to work, Mario. Well, what, what are we going to do? Wring our hands in despondency over this? We're going to get these kids off the road because they shouldn't be on the road. They shouldn't be tearing up people's lawns either. We're, we're, we're going to stop it. And how we do this is obviously the police, and you're dumping this at the police's door. And dumping obviously it. They do have a big role in this. Mm. But there are alternative areas and provisions that must be investigated as well and put forward. OK, Mario, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Mario. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've said it. Maybe we're sitting here and we've got it all wrong. Maybe. maybe. Is the answer to this, and we'll take your calls in the next yeah. half hour, is the answer to this giving them more facilities? Your thoughts, please. Can't see that working. 08459 455 555. Slightly late for the travel. Apologies for that. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5.
5 between Dunstable and the M1 is still closed in both directions between Lynch Hill and Luton Road because of a police incident and it's causing queues on both approaches. On the motorways, the M1 towards London is looking very slow around Junction 9 for Redbourne, but southbound on the M1 between Junction through Junction 12 for Flittick, the accident has been cleared away, so those long 20-minute delays earlier on from Bedford are now easing off. The M11 southbound, though, is looking very slow in patches through Junction 8 for Bishop's Thorford to 7 for Harlow. And on the train departure boards, the A54 service from Bedford to Brighton has been cancelled. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. Keep the calls coming in. So after the news with Simon, hopefully Bedfordshire Police joining us live on the programme. Should be interesting. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The headlines, new plans for a 17-mile tunnel under the Chilterns for HS2 will be announced today by campaigners. Councils in Buckinghamshire are behind the proposals, which would take more of the line underground. Air safety officials are investigating whether one of the pilots of the crashed German Wings plane could have been locked out of the cockpit. Families of the victims are travelling to the scene in the French Alps this morning. And Bedfordshire police say they expect the A5 to reopen south of Dunstable in the next hour. They're carrying out warrants at a traveller's site on land next to the A5 at Caddington. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The FA has charged a Dagenham player with violent conduct after the alleged biting incident in Saturday's game at Stevenage. Joss Labadie, who's been banned for biting before, was accused of biting the hand of Stevenage defender Ronnie Henry as the pair clashed in the closing minutes. The incident is still being investigated by Hertfordshire Police, but Labadie has until 6pm next Tuesday to respond to the FA charge. Milton Keynes-Dons duo Ben Reeves and Will Grigg played for Northern Ireland in last night's 1-0 defeat by Scotland in Glasgow. It was Reeves' full debut... Watford Takechi Anya played the full game for the Scots. Meanwhile, Watford striker Rodion Igalo made his debut for Nigeria in their 1-0 defeat by Uganda. And Luton have extended the loan of West Ham striker Elliot Lee until the end of the season. Football fans are set to protest against the price of match tickets today by staging a demonstration outside a meeting of Premier League club executives. More from Richard Conway. This planned demonstration comes just weeks after the Premier League announced it had agreed a new £5 billion domestic TV deal. That commercial success has given renewed vigour to a campaign by fans groups which calls on clubs to limit the amount they charge travelling supporters to £20. A letter from the Football Supporters Federation, a copy of which has been seen by BBC Sport, will be distributed to Premier League chairmen at their meeting in London today. In addition to a price cap on away tickets, it also calls on those top-flight clubs which price categorise games, according to the popularity of the team they are playing, to stop the practice and apply a set value. And at the Cricket World Cup, Australia are playing India in the second semi-final. The winners will face New Zealand in Sunday's final. Australia scored 328 for seven from their 50 overs. A short while ago, India were 39 without loss from nine overs in reply. BBC Three Counties News and Sports, the next full bulletin is at nine. This is Justin Dealey on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yep, standing in for the boss, Ian Lee, hopefully back with you first thing tomorrow morning. Catherine, interesting call from Mario just before the news there. And he was kind of saying, look, give these kids an area to go to and we can sort the problem out. Maybe, I mean, I'm sitting here this morning saying that's nonsense, but maybe we have got this one completely wrong. Maybe that would solve the whole situation. Don't see it myself. 
Let's see. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you think that's part of the solution? So it is a story we have been covering all this week. Off-road motorcyclists terrorising people in Houghton Regis and surrounding areas. Now you have been calling us, telling us the police are doing nothing about it. That's despite seeing it firsthand in some cases. Well, it's taken a while, but uh, we're finally able to talk to the Chief Inspector of Beds Police for the area, Gavin Hughes-Rowland. Gavin, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Justin. Thanks for coming on the programme. Um, we were told yesterday that um, somebody from Bedfordshire Police wasn't going to be coming on this programme. Can, can I ask, first of all, why that was? Well, did you get the message? Well, we, we did get the message, and uh, our press office did offer uh, a number of options for you, in, in fact, as early as Tuesday, and I was in a position to do uh, the Drive Time show on Tuesday or a pre-recorded interview, mm. and we've also issued a press statement, and that was as early as Tuesday, which I think was obviously just after Mr Salou came on your programme. So we do take it very, very seriously, and we did offer to, uh, to, to you know, obviously to put our, our case forward and give you the information that you needed to to pass to your listeners. Unfortunately, I wasn't in a position to be able to okay. come on to your show in the morning until this morning. Well, look, there's lots to get through in a short space of time. Um, we, as you know, we have heard from so many people this week, either on the phones or me personally, out in Houghton Regis, talking to people about this. More calls are coming from, from people having a similar experience elsewhere in Bedfordshire. I've got some audio I want you to respond to, OK? Um, this is what Jamie had to tell us. Um, he told us that people are using the same routes, hanging around the same areas. Listen to this. They go shooting towers from Regis and up, um, up through French Avenue, down the Saw Green Way, <clears throat> and they use the same route. So it seems really obvious that if you just put a small marked police car, I mean, it's probably just a resource issue. Because when police had unlimited funds, they did put the helicopters up and they did stop. Um, but I just don't think they've got the money to do it anymore. Seems pretty simple, Gavin. Why can't, if, if you know where these people are and people are telling you where they are, why can't you just go and pick them up? Well, it might seem pretty simple, but it is slightly more complex than, than that, unfortunately, Justin. And, you know, I can understand your readers not obviously understanding uh, the best ways about dealing with problems like this, but... Um, it is our job to consider a whole host of things when we're looking at responding to this. One of the issues, obviously, is the safety of everybody involved. Yes, we do have limited resources. Yes, we have thousands of calls every day for, for service within Bedfordshire Police. And we, yes, we have to prioritise. But it's not meaning that we don't take this matter seriously. Why can't uh, you go and pick them up, Gavin? Well, it, it, the problem is, it's not just a case of going to pick them up. We need to do it in a planned and organised way. We have to manage the risk involved, uh, and we have to uh, plan accordingly. Well, now, they're gone by then, aren't they? Well, the, the thing is, we're an intelligence-led police organisation, Justin, and the fact that, uh, that these people are doing it doesn't necessarily mean that they get away with it. It's much easier and safer for us to go around when they're not whizzing around on these motorbikes, arrest them if necessary, seize the bikes if necessary, and I can give you an example where we where we're doing this and uh, Mr Salou mentioned that he had an incident last Thursday where he was uh, buzzed by two people on off-road motorcycles or quad bikes 
over the weekend we identified those individuals. We identified one out of Section 59 warning against them, and they're going to be getting their vehicle crushed. So that's that's the clever way about doing it, rather than running around chasing people over fields but, and hills. But but neighbours are telling you who they are without any follow-up. Well, they are being fo- followed up, I can assure you. And one of are the reasons they? why I wanted to go on this show was to say that that we really need uh, the help of the community. We don't just want people saying, you know, oh, they're being a pest. Give us some information about them, you know, Give us a, a description of the individuals. If there are any identifying marks, let us know. If you're managing to take photographs of them, send them in. And I can tell you for a fact that we follow all these up. But people are telling us different. People are saying that is not the case. They've phoned you saying where the bikes are. They've even phoned you with photographic evidence, w- with films, and you're ignoring them, according to the people. Not everybody who's phoned this show this week can be wrong, Gavin, surely. Well, um, I don't know how many people in total you're talking about. Out, but uh, all I can say is is that my understanding from the intelligence that comes in that we follow that up, it might not be immediate. It might be one of the things that we need to look at. As it's far not immediate. It's not happening at all. It might be one of the things we need to do is to feed back what we've done to those people more of a, more effectively if they feel that we haven't updated them on how we've responded to their information. OK, listen to this call which came in yesterday. This is Matt, all right? Apparently localised to just how outrageous. So I know that um, my dad has... Um, complained many occasions to the police in Dunstable um, because he lives in the um, in the flat near Asda in Dunstable and, and the alleyway there gets bikes and mini motos and quad bikes going along it um, three or four times a day and um, police have said to my dad that unless they actually catch someone in the act of doing it or if he gets photographic evidence they, they actually physically can't do anything about it and I know he's driven him to the point of almost insanity. So unless people have photographic evidence, according to that person who's been told by the police that there's nothing you can do about it, is that true? Well, we do need evidence to be able to deal with people through uh, the criminal justice process, Justin. It, it is really important. We, we can't be going on rumour and conjecture. We do need evidence. Rumor. That's absolutely right. The, the, these are not rumours, Gavin. These are people who are phoning you who have seen something. They're not rumours. I think that's insulting, to be quite well, honest with I, you. Well, all I'm saying is is we need evidence to deal with things and if people are giving us evidence and if people are giving us photographs if they're giving us statements and they're prepared to go to court then absolutely we will follow it up okay right, but what, what right. we need to do justin and i must i must stress this point is that when people ring up and complain they need to give us some detail behind okay. it so we can follow it up and, All right. it, and All if right. it's not I'd like to know about it. Right, stay there and listen to this clip then, uh, because it's interesting what you had to say there. Uh, This is Lee. Um, He says that he did have evidence and the police weren't interested. Here we go, and listen to this carefully. Quite Charlie, the bloke's just all talk for a start. I phoned up the police last week after witnessing motorcyclists in Dunstable on Grove Park, and I had video evidence. I phoned up the police, and guess what they've done? Nothing. Wasn't interested in the video evidence. Ollie, you're just talking numbers, mate. You're talking rubbish. You need to get off your backside and go and do something about it before we do something. That was Lee yesterday talking to Ollie Martins. Well, off, off the back of what you've just said, Gavin... That doesn't sound great, does it? Well, all I can talk about is the general situation, Justin. I can't talk about individuals. And and I'd certainly be interested to find out from that gentleman exactly what had happened because it wouldn't be the response that I would expect from us. Um, 
Obviously, I don't know what he's got, evidentially. I don't he's know told what he's got. He's told you what he's got. He's got CCTV. What well, I'd, I'd, I'd obviously have to see that. But naturally, if he's saying that he's got something, I would at least expect us to follow that up. Um, and, uh, and obviously, if you've got that person's details, then I can take them from you after the show and, uh, and we will follow that up. Are you only here today, Gavin, because we've made such a big deal of this? Were you hoping this situation would go away? Come on, be honest with me. No, that's what I'm, I'm here to do, Justin. I'm here to get a message across that we do take it seriously, that we do want information from the public, because without that information, it's very difficult to But do you not get it? Do you, do you not get what, what's happened this week? People have phoned us in pure frustration. They have phoned you time and time and time again. Some of those people with evidence, not rumours, as you put it, with evidence, and you're not interested. How are the public supposed to trust you, Gavin? Well, we are interested. It's one of the priorities for my team. Um, we're looking at it all the time. We're working on an operational plan like we do most years for this problem. It's not just a Bedfordshire issue. It's a national issue and it tends to come around the warmer months. We, we were planning for it. We were planning for it at the start of the week and we're still planning for it. We've got specialist resource in from our combined roads policing team. We're looking at tactical options to be able to deal with this. And as I said, we're evidence-led policing. Uh, we, we need to go after the people involved in a safe environment. I can assure the public we will be. It's not something that can happen overnight. It, these things do take time, but I can assure you we're taking it very, very seriously, and arrests and Section 59 crushings will happen. Right, OK. Uh, we had somebody saying that... Uh so frustrated they may take things into their own hands. Um, let's hear now a clip from Victoria because her husband has been taking matters into his own hands. It's not just how outrageous. We get it in Caddington in the summer and, and spring. And how um, bad does the situation get up there, Victoria? Uh, last year they're uh, riding their motorbike through the churchyard where there's elderly people tending to people that have passed away. Um, they actually drove across the green when the kids were coming back from school and nearly knocked women over with toddlers and it got that bad. My husband went after them on his own motorbike and pulled them off. Your husband pulled them off? Yep, he has a motorbike and he saw it happen across the green then nearly hitting a child so he rode after them into the next village and pulled them off and uh, asked them what they were doing and, and just heard a general have a go at them. But it, it, they don't change. It will happen again in, in summer. You must be embarrassed listening to that. People are so frustrated that they're getting nowhere with the police. They're taking matters into their own hands. I mean, surely you don't want that, do you? Well, I'd say it's, being embarrassed is, is a little bit strong, Justin, in the fact that we can't be everywhere all the time and, and obviously this has happened all I'm talking about is the general behavior we're talking across Bedfordshire at the moment individual instances whatever we do as a police force we're not going to be able to be everywhere all the time and incidents like this really are, are um, quite quite poor I would say that, uh, that this gentleman has gone and done this because you know one he's he's putting his safety at risk he's putting other people by chasing it and that's exactly the sort of thing we want to avoid okay, evidence-led policing information about these Gavin, people I, I wish we go stop. around and knock on their door and arrest them at a time where it causes no risk to the public I wish you'd stop mentioning evidence-led because you've been given that just lastly just lastly on this one we know that you are sending bikes out so that's a positive thing Gavin hopefully you can get to the bottom 
bottom of this, but but after all the calls that we've had and all the stories that you've heard, we've got 30 seconds left with you. Would you like to, to maybe say sorry to some of those people who have been ignored? Well, we've been working hard on it, Justin, and, and I wouldn't say that we're ignoring this problem at all. And what I, what I would like to see is I would like to see everybody considering the behaviour of individuals and get the community behind these individuals rather than just blaming the police. Yes, we're yeah. a large part of it, but I think we've all got a social responsibility here. What I'd like to see is, yes, more information, yes, people embarrassing these individuals and the families that are allowing this to go on and standing behind it and saying no. Give us the information. I can assure you we are going to act on it. We're putting plans in place. We're putting significant resource into dealing with this and the thousands of other threat, risk and harm issues we have to deal with in Bedfordshire every single day. Are we going to start seeing results in, in a few weeks, a few months, roughly? Again, brief on time. Well, I, I, I hope so, and certainly with regards to Mr Salou's issue, um, we've identified the person involved in that and they're going to have their bike nicely squashed. So, I mean, there's something straight away, mm. and that's the sort of evidence that we will follow Good up stuff. on. Good stuff. Gavin, I appreciate you coming on. Um, had a bit of a hard time, but as you can appreciate, it's been a big local issue this week. Thank you very much. Would you mind coming back on with Ian in, say, two or three weeks' time, giving us an update? Would that be OK? Yeah, I'm sure that'll be fine. Cracking stuff. Thank you, Gavin. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Justin. There you go. The Chief Inspector of Beds Police for the area, Gavin Hughes-Rowlands. Um, we'll take your thoughts on that, please, between now and nine on the programme. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. In Caddington, the A5 is closed in both directions between Lynch Hill and Luton Road, so that's blocking the travel between Dunstable and the M1. It's causing queues from Half Moon Lane and from Hollybush Lane, and police it's because of a police incident happening there. In Hitchin, on the A505 eastbound, there are queues between Willow Lane and Parkway through the roadworks. And in Clubhill, the A507 is looking very slow around Bedford Road in both directions. On the motorways, the M1 southbound is stop-start between Junction 12 for Flittick and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. And on the M25, on the speed sensors, it's looking very slow anti-clockwise between Junction 21 for the M1 and 18 for Chorleywood. On the trains, the 8.54 service from Bedford to Brighton has been cancelled. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Samantha. Okay, the headlines you're waking up to this morning. New plans for a 17-mile tunnel under the Chilterns for High Speed 2 will be announced today by campaigners. And it's being reported that one of the two pilots of the plane which crashed into the French Alps was locked out of the cockpit. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Elizabeth Rossini has the forecast. Good morning. Hi, good morning. A rain band pushing its way eastwards. I think the worst of it is now over. We'll still see some cloud lingering in the afternoon towards eastern areas of Hertfordshire, perhaps at times. But otherwise, drier, brighter, some good spells of sunshine developing after a couple of hours or so across the three counties. Temperatures up to around 11 or 12 degrees Celsius, but a fairly brisk northwesterly wind making it feel a bit cool in any exposure to that. Overnight tonight, though, the wind will ease. We could see temperatures dip just low enough for a touch of rural frost, a cold night to come. Tomorrow, a fairly benign day of weather, really, in comparison. It'll be uh, dry and bright. There'll be some sunshine around through the morning. Things will cloud over into the afternoon. Light winds, highs of 11 degrees. That's the forecast. Thank you, Elizabeth. 
Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every day it's not just about great music and great conversation. I'll get a bit technical here. It's about local experts helping you across beds, hearts and bucks. So what we're talking about then is capital gains tax potentially on the portion of the property that they directly own. On finance, relationships. But look at the way that you have contributed to this situation. Health. When you have a cough which can seem quite innocuous in this way but just irritating. Asthma is something that we would think of. Your pets. Particularly if your dog is a border collie cross, um, it will be epilepsy. And even law. You still cannot say, judge, you have to stick to this, but the judge's approach now is going to be, well, why shouldn't we? Local advice for local people. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Justin Dealey. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Standing up for the boss, I'm looking back to, uh, well, looking forward to getting back on those streets uh, tomorrow morning. Ian, back with you from 6am. Right, it's been uh, a busy programme, certainly a busy last uh, 20 minutes or so. At Bedfordshire Police, who finally came on the show. Martin's here. Hi, Martin. Good morning. Martin, what would you like to say, sir? I would like to say that the issue with these children riding motorcycles um, illegally is uh, a parental issue. Is it, though? Come on, Martin. Is it really? Because how, how do parents know? How do they know what their kids are up to all the time? As a parent, I would know if my child had a motorcycle. How would you know? How would I know? The mm. um, safer the clothes have come back in. Mm-hmm. Right? And... Um, they would just have something about them that says they've got a motorcycle. Okay. Would you know if your child was taking drugs? Absolutely. How would you know? The smell. The smell of bonfire. Let me put a scenario to you. When I was younger, when I was younger, and I'm going to be up front and open about this, I'm sorry, Mum, if you're listening right now, but um, I was smoking from a very early age and what I was doing was totally wrong. But did my mum know that I was smoking? No, she didn't because I was crafty and kids are crafty. I don't think you can sit here and say, as a parent, I know what my child is doing 24-7. You just can't. You can't, surely. Really? Really? Was your mum smell blind? No, but what I did... So every time you sat next to your mum, she said, oh, you smell a bonfire. She no. knew. No, she didn't know. I can assure you, she well, did not know. Obviously, she hadn't been around drugs the same as you and I had been. Martin, what I did, when I was smoking, I would make sure that, that before I went back to the house, I didn't have a cigarette for a good hour or so, and I would make sure that I went into a friend's house, whose parents did... Hang on, hang on, Martin, hang on. I went back to a friend's house, and that friend, his parents knew that... that their child was smoking, unfortunately, okay, slightly older. So I washed my hands, I'd take the mints, I would do everything I possibly could. She had absolutely no idea. No idea at all. Kids are crafty. So the idea that that, that you know what your child is doing all the time, it's naive. It's naive, Martin. You're saying that um, these parents today have absolutely no idea what their children are doing. So therefore you're condoning today's society where the parents are out of control of their children. I don't really understand the point you're making there, but uh, let's go to Steph. Hi, Steph, how are you doing? Good morning. What would you like I'm to right, say, thank Steph? You. Good. What would you like to say? Um, I'm grinning. I totally disagree with the gentleman, previous gentleman's point about parenting. Um, I've got kids of my own now. They're grown up. Um, and I, like you, I was a smoker when I was 
a kid and my mum didn't ever know about it either for exactly yeah. the same reasons. Well, if, if, if I was a kid and I wanted to be on a bike somewhere in Houghton Regis, we know that some of these bikes are, are put into the back of vans, they're taken to an area, the kids meet them there, they take the bikes, they go and cause havoc. If I was a crafty kid, what I would do, I would have a special set of clothes which would be in that van and then I'll get a shower before I went home. This idea, this idea that, oh, it's the smell, you would know, is absolute nonsense. Yeah, I do disagree with that. I think in terms of the motorbike crime side itself, the, for me, the only way that you can deal with that is by making the punishment to the child themselves, the person that's doing the deed, that potentially carries forward and has enough gravitas that it will genuinely be a deterrent to stop them doing it. Yeah. You know, put, put points on their future driving licenses, put, you know, um, you know, make their insurance premiums go up when they get over the age to get a car. Make it actually hurt the child themselves, make it matter. The parents have nothing to do with it at that age. Steph, it's been a stressful last 25 minutes. Can I ask you, let's end this lightheartedly. Go and look at my Madonna video, by the way, on Facebook. Me dressed up as Madonna. Uh, I think you might enjoy that. But secondly, who's your favourite boy band of all time? Oh, my good girl. I'm sorry. I'm, I was a rock chick. It's going to be Bon Jovi. <laughs> I mean, if Bon Jovi, if John Bon Jovi walks into a bar, there you are, nice glass of wine, sitting at the bar, he walks in, what do you think he might do? Um... Oh, I'm not very good at being girly. I'd probably go, oh, that's John Bon Jovi and carry on with Steph, thanks very much indeed. Take care. Thank you, too. Great Bye. stuff, Steph. Uh, we'll come to Shane in a second. Uh, Kath, we've got so many texts. Yeah, you were talking in. there about parental responsibility and why yeah. the parents aren't intervening. And we've had loads of text messages through, one of them from Jackie. Ah, they are not children. And we've heard this in the past. Some of these people mm. are dads and they've got their kids on the back of the bikes. Yeah. So it's not entirely relevant, you know. Yeah, some of them will have parents who may or may not care what they're doing, but some of them are parents. You were laughing at my story a moment ago through the glass about... Um, oh, it was know, just the idea that you'd go and have a shower. Where? Where are you going to have a shower? Well, you could have a shower at a friend's house. That's a lot of effort. <laughs> Maybe they're a member of the gym. You know, kids are crafty. And this idea that the kids aren't, sorry, again... Well, I mean, they're, they're not all kids. I think that's uh, part of the argument that we've got to pay attention to. OK, Shane's in Dunstable. Hi, Shane. Hello there, good morning. Shane, what would you like to say, sir? Um, so, a couple of things uh, across all the arguments here. Firstly, I don't agree with the police for saying that they, uh, they need more evidence and everything, because lots of people, ourselves included, have collected video evidence of these people. Yes. We know who they are. They're labourers. They live in the local area, so we know exactly who they are, because we see them all the time. Um, on, on the flip side, it's not completely the police's fault with the cutbacks that they've had over the over the last few years. Even Dunstable Police Station at night is closed, so the nearest police are in Luton now. So, you know, they can't be everywhere where they, you know, where these scenes are happening. And also, when these guys are riding around the neighbourhood, it's literally. Uh, a 30 second a minute blast and they're no, gone and, absolutely and, and you can't catch them I, th I, think, um, I think the frustrating thing is a lot of people like you have gathered evidence and, and, and Bed's police going back to what Gavin said he talked about we don't just need rumours well people like you haven't got a rumour you've got evidence and and you like yeah. a, a lot of people have been ignored that's the frustration you, you can talk about police numbers but if you're going to the cops and you say right there's the evidence what more do they want yeah, all I can hope is that they're actually building a case about it that would be substantial enough to actually nail these people. But also, going back to actually who these people are, they are, uh, a lot of the time, they are guys in their early 20s. They're not just kids. They're actually young louts and thugs. Yeah. They wear the grey tracksuit bottoms, the hoodies. Uh, you know, they keep their hoods up. They ride around with no helmets. There's, uh, the bikes themselves are probably stolen anyway. 
So even if you catch the bike and crush it, They'll just go out and nick another one from someone. We don't know. In, in saying that, Shane, when I go to the gym, I wear some jogging bottoms and a hoodie, all right? Yeah, so that's, so that's, that's the environment for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not everyone who wears a hoodie is a hooligan. I, I look quite street in my hoodie, if you must know, Shane, if you must know. <laughs> yeah, you're at risk of looking like these uh, louts. At, uh, I mean, they don't even have jobs. They just come and go in the daytime. Well, one of them that lives near us is a recognised drug dealer in the neighbourhood. Well, and well, again, and again that's, been, that's been reported to the police. Pass again. it on to the police because they do take it seriously. Thank you, Shane. Take care. No worries. All the best. Sorry we can't get any more calls. And it's been a frantic programme today. Hopefully, the boss, Ian Lee, back with you first thing tomorrow morning and me back on the streets. Uh, JVS, stay tuned. He's up next. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A5 is still closed in both directions between Lynch Hill and Luton Road, which is causing long delays between the Dunstable and the M1. On the A41 Fry Ridge Road in Aylesbury, that's looking really busy on the speed sensors between the Oxford Road roundabout and the Walton Street roundabout. And looking at the M1 southbound, it's stop-start between Junction 12 for Flittick and 7 for Hamill Hempstead. And it's also looking really slow for, towards London from Junction 6 for North Watford towards Junction 5 for the A41. On the M25 anti-clockwise, it's slow from Junction 12. 21 for the M1 towards Junction 16 for the M40. Samantha Bruff, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed, Samantha. Some more travel news on the way for you just before 9.30. Thank you so much for your calls, texts and emails. Ian hopefully back with you first thing tomorrow. Mark says, J-Dog, I hope Ian brings back some good vinyl tomorrow. Yeah, Vinyl Friday. And also Jackie says, best boy band. It's got to be Boyzone. Thank you once again. Take care. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Justin. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday. It's nine o'clock and on today's big phone-in... Do you think Clarkson should be prosecuted for punching his producer? He's been sacked by the BBC and now Yorkshire Police 